began so long ago with a band of Queen's Park men. Hello and welcome to episode 3 of the Spiders Talk podcast. My name is David Blair. Once again, I am joined by Enzo Tamanini and Callum Stewart. And I think both of these guys, like myself, are starting to get a little bit excited. Now, the, the pre-season is over. The, the Premier Sports Cup is over. And the real stuff's starting on Saturday away to Inverness. Aye, it's all starting to feel uh, a wee bit real, but um, yes, I'm looking forward to trekking up to Inverness and uh, getting the season proper going. Yeah, I can't wait. I mean, this week's been absolutely dragging in and I have a feeling tomorrow and Friday aren't going to speed up at all, Um, but really looking forward to it. Well, hopefully we will help pass the time a little bit easier because what we're going to talk about today is we're going to have a look back at that last Premier Sports Cup game against Hamilton and we're going to have a nice big preview of the Championship season coming up. We're going to talk about every team that we're going to come up against and we're going to rank the the division. We're going to tell you right now who's finishing first, who's finishing 10th and everything in between. So, say, let's not mess about. Let's get right into it. We are going to start, as I say, today with a review of the game away to Hamilton Academical in... Is it not called the Fountain of Youth Stadium or something like that? Yeah, the Fountain that of Youth Stadium. Is, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where that one came from. New Douglas Park, um, as it always is, or round the back of the Sainsbury's car park, um, is, is where we were <laughs> for that game there. Um, so the game did finish one each, and Hamilton then went on and won five three in the penalty shootout. Of course, it finished one each because a win would have got either team probably through into the next round of the cup and I think even when you look then at the numbers of the the balls that were drawn in the next round um, if either of us had won we'd have had an away day at Ibrox so of course as I say very typical of us that that we didn't manage to get that win that we were after the game started very quickly there was a goal in the fourth minute for Hamilton I unfortunately missed it because despite being a very sensible and reasonable person, I left the pub with 25 minutes to go to kick off. I got to the game with 15 minutes to go to kick off, and for some reason, I ended up at the back of the longest queue I have ever seen for a Queen's Park game. There must have been maybe close to about 100 Queen's Park fans standing outside. One turnstile was open, and the, the I don't know what the guy was doing behind the turnstile. Apparently, he was literally ripping off tickets, handing them out, and he, he apparently he was explaining the fire drill to everybody that was trying to pay in just to get in and watch the game. So a good a good number of us missed us the missed the beginning of the game and missed that first goal for Hamilton. So I'm going to come to you, Cal. Would you like to talk me through what happened? Yes. So Hamilton scored very early on. Um, Andy Winter with a sort of low shot from the right side of the box. Straight past Ferry, I think it was Fox um, who was kind of trying to keep on to him, um, but it kind of represented our sort of typically slow start that we've had at the beginning of games, both against Dundee and Hamilton. I think it kind of continued on. I mean, Andrew, I don't know what your thoughts are, but I thought that the, the first half in general was pretty slow from Queen's. Um, we didn't really get much going, and it was all just a bit pedestrian. I kind of hope to have a wee bit more fire after the, the tail end of the Dundee game where we, we started to look good. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. I think, um, like you say, we, we've kind of, we've started slow against both championship clubs in the in the Premier Sports Cup. But I think part of that is also because, you know, you look back at the, the Dundee game in the first half, the way the way Coyle set the team up, 
he was trying some new things. You know, that's that's when we started with with um, with Jared out wide, for example, and mm. uh, even on even on um, on Saturday there, we we started with Longridge when we had obviously brought in McPeak, and uh, I think you know as as the game went on, we started to shift into the the formation, and we made a couple of substitutes that are going to be more like what you can expect us to to start against Inverness on Saturday. Yeah, as you say, McPake came on. Um, he was finally announced uh, on the morning of the game. Uh, obviously coming in from Rangers on loan. We spoke about a little bit about him last week. He did look really good uh, when he came on in the second half. He looked very direct, but I think that just coincided with the kind of change in, in mentality of the team. Uh, as we'll come back and talk about, going back to just after that first goal in the fourth or fifth minute, for a lot of the first, for well, for the entirety of the first half, and then for a lot of the second half, we we seemed, we still created a few chances. There was nothing, there was nothing really clear cut for, especially a lot of the first half. But we created a few half chances. But a lot of the time, we just seemed really nervous on the ball. We we seemed to have a uh, a total like the only option was to hit it long every single time, and. Both Callum Ferry and Charlie Fox were really guilty of that. They were just constantly hitting the ball long, and and it really came off. And it was quite surprising to see that because especially when we especially when we think of Charlie Fox, he's a guy that's good with the ball in close and sort of sharp, short passing. He, he just seemed to totally certainly in the first half he seemed to totally lose that for whatever reason. Yeah, definitely. And, and when we think of the guys that we've got cutting around midfield with Brown and Savory and Jarrett, like these are all really good ball players. Do you know what I mean? So he doesn't need to be sort of pumping those balls up the park the way that he has been in the last couple of games. It does make you wonder a wee bit, like if we can see it, Coyle must be able to see it as well. Do you know what I mean? So it makes me question whether is is that an actual legitimate tactic? Sort of, yeah. Is he sort of floaty balls down the wing to Longridge and and Thomas? But it just, it just never really ended up in anything. Um, as, especially as you in that say, yeah, as you say, if that was a like a specific game plan from Owen Coyle, which I can only think it must have been. See, when Charlie Fox hits two or three and Callum Ferry, and and there were others guilty as well. It's not just to pick out, pick on the two of them, but when they were doing it so often and repeatedly, and it wasn't coming off, it must have been what they were told to do. And if that's the case, was that then Enzo the first thing that? Own Coyle's got wrong for Queen's Park so far? Um, I think I think it's probably harsh to say that he's got it wrong because we, we don't know specifically the ins and outs and what, what the game plan was there and the reasoning for it. But I would like to see us change that. Um and, and to be fair, we, we've got the players. So if if the distribution from the back and, and when I say from the back I specifically mean from Ferry and Fox, if it doesn't improve, then we've got the players in midfield, as Callum as Callum mentioned earlier, we've got guys like Jarrett, Savory, Brown who can take the passes from the defence quite deep and, and and push the ball forward. So it's not the end of the world. I just think that does need to change. Well, see, we did continue maybe not playing our best football in the first half. Uh, again, as I say, we previously we only had a few half chances. There wasn't really anything brilliant. Um, you know, Simon Murray did have a free kick that went over the bar. And I think uh, it was... Louis Longridge had a shot on goal in the, during the first early on in the first half as well, but it was Hamilton that then had the next best chance where they had the, a corner coming in, and I think it was Andy Ryan for Hamilton who sort of got his head onto it, but it just went over the bar. Having said that, really neither keeper was particularly tested after that. It was a bit of a poor game in the first half, wasn't it? 
It was, yeah. It wasn't it wasn't particularly entertaining. It was very cagey and, and I don't think we played well at all. The second half did start a little bit better. Uh well, it could have started a little bit better because a couple of minutes into the second half, Simon Murray did have the ball in the back of the net, but uh, unfortunately, the linesman's flag went up and ruled it out for offside. It was a bit hard to tell from our angle down the opposite end of the, the main stand uh, at the ground there, but unfortunately, that, that didn't quite come off for us there. No, and I, I, tr- I tried to have a wee look at the highlights, actually, but um, it only seemed to be of the goals this time, so I couldn't even... Uh... I couldn't even make past judgment after watching them again, but no, um, hard to tell from where yeah. we are. I'm, I'm fairly certain on the day I did shout at the linesman for it, but to be completely honest with you, I haven't got a clue whether he was offside or not. Yeah, difficult to tell from our, our viewpoint there. Unfortunately, um, that one was not influenced by alcohol, uh, just unfortunately where <laughs> we were sitting. But yeah, so we, we kept going on and... When the substitutions were made, uh, previously mentioned McPake came on, uh, Williamson came on, and you could then tell the sort of the attack and sort of attitude changed. And we did start getting the ball down a little bit better, but then it really changed, and the game completely changed when we finally equalised. Again, we'd had a couple of half chances between Murray's offside goal and uh, Davidson squaring up and scoring. I believe it was his first goal for the club, uh, so well done to him there. Uh, it was a free kick coming in uh, from the, the left-hand side, I believe, and there was a little bit of a, a couple of headers, I think. Ball bounced about a couple of times. It eventually fell to Davidson, who sort of poked it in from about 10, 12 yards. And then after that, we were the only team in the game there. I am absolutely certain that had that game gone on for another five or ten minutes, we would have found the winner. Um, you know, once we made those changes, there was only there was only one team in it. I think we, we totally dominated from that point onwards. And that is what is making me feel cautiously optimistic for Saturday because I feel as though the team that we saw really putting Hamilton under pressure towards the tail end of that match is the team that we're going to get. Um, so yeah, I, I think I think we looked vastly improved after after Coyle made his substitutions, and that's something that we've said a few times. It's something that Coyle seems to be continually getting right for us, and it's good to see because there's nothing more frustrating than having a manager who doesn't seem to see the same things that the fans all see and listen. You know, the managers of the professionals, they, in theory, should know what they're doing. Maybe we aren't quite as clued up on on things as what they are. But it's still frustrating nonetheless. And, and it's good to see a manager that's clearly, you know, um, seeing the same problems as what we are and, and reacting to that. How how would you want us to see, how, how would you want us to line up against Inverness then? Because, I mean, personally, I think the best football I've watched this season so far is when we've seen Murray and Williamson up front together. Um, but it seems to be that sort of substitute that you make it around 60 minutes to try and push a game on. I think I'd be keen to just see it from the start, to be honest, go and take teams on the front foot, because we seem to have been sitting deep, letting teams come on to us a wee bit, whereas I, I, I kind of rather just go from it for the op, from the off and see how we get on. The four-two-three-one seems to be the kind of formation, or the four-three-three, however you want to sort of call it. That seems to be Coyle's formation of choice, and he seems to like having the two sort of more like deeper and holding midfielders if you will so I think while we're still playing the one up front and especially with the wingers that that we do have I don't see Murray and Williamson starting yet I agree with you I would like to see it from the start of games and see what it could bring but I wonder if that is one of these sort of secret weapon type like Hmm. 
Scott Wilson's going to be this super sub that's going to come on and, and change games when he gets that chance with 15, 20 minutes to go with the pace that he's got and the, the bother that he causes opposition defences. I wonder if that's maybe Coyle's thinking as well and he's wanting to save that, save that for that particular uh, sort of situation. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a it's a difficult one because I can see I can see both sides of this. I think Williamson can have a really positive impact off the bench, and uh, you, you need that sort of player. You, you do need that sort of player that can come on and possibly change a game that isn't going quite to plan. Um, but like you say, Callum, when we start, you know, when we played both of them at the same time, it's it's exciting to watch, and then there, we have managed to find goals that way. What I do think, though is that McPake is going to be an upgrade out on that side. And I think I think what Coyle is more likely to do is just to make this the straight change from um you know with, with McPake and Longridge, see how that goes before considering possibly starting with two up front, especially in a league game. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's definitely decisions to be made and there's definitely the, the question to make about, as you say, whether you want Williamson and Murray on at the start. There's definitely a question about McPake who's came in and although it was only about 25 minutes or so that he played, he did look pretty good. Uh, another potential lineup headache that Owen Coyle might have is based on his starting lineup from this game against Hamilton because young Alex Bannon came in, who is obviously one of these young players that's uh, signed a, I think he was one of the ones that signed the professional contract rather than the apprentice contract. He did, yeah. Um, yeah, two years. He came, he came in and he's actually a midfielder by trade but he was put in at centre-back. Uh, presumably, Lethal Day was still too injured. He also went off in the previous game that he couldn't play. And Bannon stood in there, and he was probably one of our best players on, on the day. He was, considering his age, considering he was thrown in against a championship team for his very first senior start, he he performed exceptionally well. Yeah, yeah. He, 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 was, he was excellent. And, I mean, he, he sort of only had... You'd think as well, see, after the first five minutes, right, we can see the goal, it's your professional debut, you're a centre-back. Whilst he wasn't directly responsible for the goal, there's every chance your head goes off the back of that, isn't there? And I think the, the first five, ten minutes of the game, we were particularly shaky. But he just settled in it so well, and he was he was passing the ball about, he was calm on the ball, moving forward, good tackles, everything that you'd kind of want. I think he looked relatively tall, so I think he was about six foot or something like that. Um it was just a really assured performance and we touched on this in the, the past couple of episodes about squad depth and where that's going to come from. And maybe that like this is an example of it, do you know what I mean? We don't go and sign X number of centre backs, we give the opportunity to the to the young guys coming through. Um but you're right, David, it, it certainly creates an interesting problem because you start to think about like Naismith, because Naismith came on when Kilday got injured and replaced at centre back. Where is he in the pecking order right now? If Bannon's getting a start ahead yeah. of him, do you know what I mean? It's yeah, there's 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 lots to consider, but it's good it's good to see more potential choice coming into the team in a position that I think we 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 do need reinforcements in. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with everything you said about Bannon there, Callum. I thought he looked excellent. I mean, his confidence grew as the game went on, and I think that's natural because obviously. As you say, a young centre-back coming in, you can see their goal very, very early into the game. Look a little bit shaky and it's possible you might start thinking, oh, this is maybe this is a bit too much of a step up for me at this stage. But as the game, you know, as, as we came more into the game, so did he. He looked more confident. And, and I think possibly that comes from, you know, he spent his career so far, and, and I use the word career loosely because obviously he st- still was a youth player. Um, he spent his career so far playing against young boys and, and 
I think once you step up into the playing against championship level players, you're, you're playing against men, you're playing against experienced guys, and I think that can probably be quite intimidating. But once he realised, hold on, this is my level, then he, he just looked fantastic. It's also quite nice to see because um, he's one of the guys that's been with Queens since he was nine, I think it was. Yeah, he's been, um, yeah, he's been here for, for ages. Oh, yeah. I watched a really nice interview with him. Um, I'm not sure who it was that was doing it. I didn't recognise him, but um, he'd, done a, he'd done an interview with Bannon after it. And the guy was just absolutely buzzing for it. Do you know what I mean? Getting his professional start, his family were there, all that sort of stuff, which is exactly what you want to see. I mean, we talk about the benefits of going professional and stuff like that as well. These are the sort of guys that you just lose, isn't it? I mean, he's yep. clearly got some standard to him. Um, he would just be off to a team that's willing to pay them some money. So, no, it's great. It's great. It's exciting. Yeah, it definitely is. And as I say, it's maybe a, a, a going to give Coyle a, a couple of sore heads in the few weeks coming if he can continue to perform like that, if he keeps getting a chance. Uh, one last uh, squad question, and I'll start with you, Enzo, on this one. We obviously seen Michael Doyle up against us uh, in this game he played. He started obviously at right back for Hamilton. I thought he played pretty well. I mean, I'm not going to praise an opposition player too much. Just we'll talk we'll talk about it very, very, very briefly because we have mentioned it before that I think we all agree that of all the players that did leave last season, Doyle was one of the ones that maybe had one of, if not the biggest question mark from all of us as to why he was let go. <laughs> How much bigger is that question mark after that game? It's not for me, to be honest with you. I mean, I think he looked reasonably competent. I can't remember him doing anything particularly special. He looked fine. Um, I don't know if we put him under much pressure down that side, to be completely honest with you, which is why maybe he, he did look relatively competent. But I think if we'd pushed him a little bit more, we could have forced him into making some mistakes. And, and yeah, for me, I, I have no issues with, with Davidson at the minute taking taking that position. I would say with that, so I'll come to you on this one then, Calm. So obviously I don't think, I mean, it's going to sound very, very harsh to put any criticism on Davidson when he did score the goal that well, got got the draw um, and everything there. But again, he was one that, again, like Fox and like Ferry, was maybe a bit guilty with his distribution. And we've seen it in the previous games. We've seen it particularly against Dundee where there were a couple of big mistakes there. Although, as Angel says, Doyle was competent. You know, maybe it was a solid... If you play football manager, if your player just shows up on the park, he gets a rating of like 6.7 out of 10, which is basically <laughs> he showed up, he didn't do anything amazing, but he didn't make any big mistakes. He just put in that, you know, between 6 and 7 out of 10, just a, a good performance. Would you rather be seeing somebody doing that than maybe somebody who maybe so far with Davidson we've seen maybe a, a 4 out of 10 to an 8 out of 10, and you know, fluctuating? Uh, I think I would rather be sitting with the potential of Davidson being a solid attacking right back um, as opposed to the sort of standard performances that we want from Doyle. I think we, with the type of football that we're wanting to play, Coyle keeps talking about the attractive, positive football. I think you need somebody that's going to be willing to kind of do that um, and have the potential to do that. I think yeah. it'll also be interesting to see Davidson with McPake. I think that will be a different dynamic to... Um, going up the right side with with Longridge, if McPake's going to be his partner. From what I've seen of 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 the brief time that he was on, he looked a lot more direct. He looked a lot more effective. If he's got pretty decent passing ability for those one twos that we know Davidson is pretty good at, um, you might see a different side to him, um, and there might be a lot more potential there. And also, you you criticised Davidson's distribution on on Saturday, there, David, and I think that's fair enough. It's worth remembering that one of the elements of Doyle's game where he really struggled was 
his distribution. It so was, yeah. So oh no, it was. I'm just playing a little bit of the devil's advocate. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's fair enough. It's just what we thought, you know, but you know, I think it's I mean, fair when you're comparing the players to consider. Yeah, that's maybe. A, I think Davidson has that room to to improve, like Callum says. Whereas for me, Doyle is what's Doyle's ceiling? Doyle's ceiling is a relatively all right championship player, decent League One player. Whereas with Doyle, you've got a young guy who has still got time to improve. He's still learning um, the game in general, and and maybe. There's, there's the potential for, for him to, to you know play at an even higher level yet. Well, time will tell with that one. But yep, that is our review of the Hamilton game. That, as I said at the very beginning, that did, that draw and the lack of the bonus point in the penalty shout, not that that would have made much of a difference, did mean that we finished third in the group overall. Um, and yeah, we, we crash out in air quotes of the, the Premier Sports Cup at the group stage. It's not a tournament that we've gone far in ever before. Maybe this one... This year we would have hoped to have gone to the next round, but it wasn't to be, and we're still going to have a couple other cups to play for. And the Challenge Cup, now that this squad that we're in and you know the level that we're at now, I reckon sneaky, sneaky, the, the Challenge Cup could be could be a good shout. Yeah, or we could just win the Scottish Cup instead. Yeah, we're, yeah. <laughs> I'll take we're long overdue and I love in Scottish no, Cup. I'm, I'm not fussy. <laughs> we've, got, we've got plenty of episodes to talk about that and get all, build all the way up to that. Um, we will move on now. We are going to talk again just very, very quickly about uh, the young QP game against Rangers, which took place on Sunday. So we had the Hamilton game on the Saturday and we we then played Rangers on the, the Sunday. Now, given that it was... Young Queen's Park, the, the, the reserves team, the, the strollers, as it was traditionally called. I think we all expected Rangers to show up with uh, a reserve team or a youth team, uh, you know, uh, similar to us. It turns out that Rangers showed up with a ridiculously strong lineup. I think was it not the, at least three or four of the players in the squad or even starting actually played in the Europa League final like a couple yeah. of months ago. Yeah, that right? I, I can't remember the exact number. I actually thought it was a little bit more than three or four. I thought it was maybe five and or six. six in yeah, six was the number that I was thinking as well. I think I read that on, on Twitter, who were involved in the Europa League final in some capacity, which is absolutely incredible for what is supposedly a B team. Um, I don't know if... The, I, I was actually wondering this. I wonder whether, you know, Owen Coyle Jr. was informed in advance, hold on, listen, we're going to put out a really strong team or else he maybe just showed up on the day and, and they were hit with it and they had to deal with it. Either way, they you know didn't win the game, but they clearly dealt with it fantastically well considering they, they kept it so tight. No, they definitely did. It, the The game did finish 3-2 to Rangers. We were 2-0 up until about the, the 75th minute or so. It was uh, Scott Williamson with two goals, and one in the first half and one in the second half. They both looked pretty similar. We are going off of here a, a six-minute, TikTok video, <laughs> which is one of the one of the first and hopefully one of the last times that I'm ever on TikTok. But um, we we we've seen the highlights there. So oh my it was it was. Oh, sorry, oh can't my. I'm doing I've, my my TikTok. I've seen your TikTok account. Yeah. Exactly, I've seen your TikTok account. I've seen your videos. I do have some good moves, but I, I tend not to put them on video. I, I tend to save them for the, the back of the, the supporters bus on on the way home. But uh, yeah, yeah. So. Um, Scott Williamson took both goals incredibly well. I think two, the two of them did look pretty similar, where it looked like it was maybe a long ball that he's then out-muscled the defender and, and then got in. Uh, the first one, I think, was just a sort of a typical finish, but the second one was a lob from about 15 yards or so. He, 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 after the second one, you could see the smile on his face. He was absolutely delighted with himself, and it just it 
I am so close. I'm starting here because I'm so close to running out of words for how excited I am for the potential that he has because he's, as, as we said, this was a very strong Rangers team. He scored two goals against them there. I mean, what more can we really ask for him from there? This, this guy's this guy's got it. I'm going to say it. I'm not even going to say he's got the potential. This guy has got it. I apologise for on behalf of all three of us for what we were talking about last week and the week before where, oh, can he adapt? Will he get better? No, he doesn't need to. He's got it. He is there. He... He, he's he's going to be a big player for us this year. Yes, I am ready to put all of my eggs in the tiny Scott Williams sized uh, Williamson sized basket. Um, I, I, yes, he's competent at finishing. I know that sounds so obvious to say, right? But how often do you see Queens Park players who are just naturally good at scoring goals? Simon Murray is excellent. He makes tons and tons of chances, but he's not necessarily a natural finisher. Scott Williamson is, from what I've seen so far, he gets in goal-scoring positions and he puts the ball away. And it's very, very exciting. The last player that I can remember who was genuinely naturally gifted at that was Jamie Longworth. And we spent half the time playing him out in the wing. But like in terms of just that sort of knack for scoring goals, um, it feels at this point like he has it. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I watched the, I watched those uh, highlights on TikTok and I think he took both of the goals incredibly well. and. Um, We've talked about this a few times on here and, and we've talked about it just among ourselves at games and stuff too. And the question of, you know, does this instinct that he clearly showed when he was scoring 50-odd goals for Canvas Lang Rangers, is this going to translate across to playing six, seven tiers higher? And, and I think it will. I think with the opportunity, he probably still needs a little bit of time to adapt to certain elements of the game. The fact that it's faster paced, the fact that he's probably playing against um, stronger defenders, better goalkeepers and stuff. But I have... I'm, I'm, I'm with you, Cam. I'm confident that Williamson is going to turn out to be an absolutely phenomenal signing. I mean, before Longworth, who, who did we, you know, who was the last one we had before even before him? Because hey, in my hey. head, I'm thinking back to the the 2006 2007 season when when David Weatherston had had become a proper goal scorer and and you know and the the seasons running up to that, I think that was something that he was trying to improve in his game. But it's not something that comes naturally to everyone. You know, you touched on Simon Murray. He I do believe that Murray has the, the potential to, to score 12 or 13 goals at this level. And to be fair, down in Stranari was absolutely clinical. But we saw last season, what we saw last season with Murray was that for every goal he scores, he's probably going to miss seven or eight really good chances as well. And I don't think that's the sort of player Williamson is. I think you give him a chance, he's going to bust the net. As you both say, it's been a long time since we've had a Queen's Park player like that as you say Jamie Longworth and David Weatherson that's what two in the last 15 years uh, obviously it was a different era of Queen's Park then but even still that natural goal scoring ability can be clearly be found in the lower leagues and we've just never had it it's, it's one of the reasons why we are very much excited to see more of uh, Scott Wilmson but yeah overall for all of the young QP players that, that played that day it was a, a very good performance against a very good uh, Rangers team and hopefully that bodes well for the future, the SPFL Reserve League has been announced again as, as running this year So and and the Reserve Cup as well So because uh, the league is only actually nine games so maybe they'll fl- uh, sort of fluff that out a little bit with some more friendlies and stuff but you've got the Cup as well so hopefully a lot of these young players are going to get a chance to play against some more good players, maybe not necessarily to the level of that Rangers B team that was there, but yeah, they're going to get some more regular football and it's just going to aid their development and hopefully aid the first team as as we go through the season. 
So, yeah. yeah. I was just going to say, David, you, you touched on the, the friendly matches and, and the fact that it's only nine fixtures plus a cup. I, I actually think for these, you know, for these young players, I think there's a lot of benefit in playing friendly matches because when, when you look at formal competitions, so a league and, and cups, sometimes there's a little bit too much emphasis and too much concern about whether you win matches and whether you get through to the next round or whatever, whereas friendly matches give you the opportunity to play against good players still, but your priority is actually improving and, and learning. And, and I think um, I think that's that could actually be part of the thought process behind having a, a fairly spread out uh, fixture list, a fairly spread out campaign with only nine matches. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. I mean, that's a definitely a big thing of of our philosophy now with, with young QP and, and obviously we've still got the, some more of these under-18s and these apprentice players that that have got bright futures ahead of them. And you're absolutely right. It might be good for them to have those games where they can just work on the the technical side of the game without maybe the the pressure, as you say, of winning all the time. But it's still good for them to have that competition against some good players that... That will that will give them that games with a little bit of edge, maybe against some players that are you know again because I think you've got Hearts and Hibs and I think you've got another couple of Premier League teams I don't Hearts. have in front of me. Um, yeah, Hearts so, aren't in it because they're beating in Lowland League this year. All right enough, sorry, so they are. So maybe worth are. mentioning by the way that we saw Connor Smith play for the Hearts B team at, um, on I think it was Sunday afternoon, I believe. Scored a, where scored we scored a hat trick. Yeah, I mean I feel as though. I don't think he's the complete package yet, right? I think he's got a lot of development to do, but I feel as though he's far too good for the Lowland League. I, I don't yeah. like the fact that he's ended up playing there, to be honest with you. That seems like a waste to me, but... I'm sure I read today about Connor Smith. To be, it might have been in Pineball Rules. I don't know how valid it is. that um, Hearts were saying that he'll essentially, along with a few of the, the other younger guys, be floating between the B team and the first team. So it, Perhaps they do have a role for for him, but you, you wonder how valuable that. that's going to be. And he's only there for a year, isn't he, currently? So yeah, he's one yeah. year contract, yeah. I do hope he gets his chance, but yeah, with that one year contract, and if he doesn't, you know, if Hearts maybe are pushing at the top end of the league, are they going to do what a lot of teams do and not take the chance on the younger guys and things like that? Is it is that going to is he going to lose a year? Basically, so she, I said it right the very the very first episode when we were talking about our squad. I was disappointed personally that he never signed on with us. He obviously took that decision. Let's hope it still pays off for him. But you're absolutely right, Enzo. He is he's too good to be playing in the the fifth year. Well, the thing is, Cam, you mentioned that that he's got a role in the first team as well. Um, I I don't know if the rules have changed this season now that they've admitted a third B team to the Lowland League. But I know that last season when Celtic B and, and Rangers B were the only ones there, that if a player was playing for the B team in the Lowland League and they started making appearances for the first team, once they'd reached five appearances for the first team, they weren't allowed to play for the low, uh, for the B team until the next transfer window. So <laughs> if there's any, I mean, if, if he even makes a few appearances off the bench, then then he's, you know, stuck playing with it. There's no real, there's no option for that fluidity back and forward between the two teams. So I don't know. Maybe the rules have changed as well. I'm not 100% sure about it. I did try to look into it, but I couldn't find anything uh, related to the new season, just last season. But um, I suppose we'll see how that one plays out. I hate that B team things in the in the yeah. Lowland League. I'm, I, I won't. We won't. We'll maybe go into that at some other point. But my goodness, what? A, nah. Imagine being a fan a of a team in that league and you're having to come up against all these B sides with random players kicking about. Just brutal. Brutal. Yep. Yeah. Totally. Not a fan of it. Yep. But you're absolutely right. We will move on and we will now come on to the, the main event, shall we say, of, of this week's episode. We are going to have a look 
at every single championship team that we're going to be coming up against. Have a little look into where they it looks like they're sitting at this current time and how we think we're going to do against them all. So what all three of us have done is we have predicted the league table. We've predicted first to 10th place. And I believe Callum has done the averages of all all three of our scores. And we're going to go through the teams from 10 to, to 1. So, Callum, who did, between the three of us, who is our consensus pick to drop straight down to League One? So, it was pretty consistent on this one. So, two, two of you, so David and Enzo, you both picked this team. I didn't have them 10th, but I did have them 9th. Um, and it is Morton. So, I believe Enzo's going to give us a wee bit of information about Morton and, and sort of some, some talking points. But, yep, that's that's who we ranked uh, as going down in the league. Yeah, Morton, uh, I mean, I think they're an interesting one this season because there's so much going on there. Um, managed by Dougie Emery, who obviously came in last season. And then he had them playing some really good football for a while and, and he was picking up a lot of good results. But, yeah, so I personally think that they... They look a little, the club in general seems a little bit unsettled at the minute. We look, I, mean, I looked at the players that they've brought in, the players that have left, and there's a lot of players on the way out. We already mentioned a couple of weeks ago how they brought in Katongo and Gillespie after we released them. So, anyway, they finished seventh in the championship last season, right? But the problem is they've lost Jack Hamilton, who was their goalkeeper. He was a very good keeper for them. They've lost Gary Oliver. They've lost uh, Gozioglu, who, and they, these guys were all really important to, to them finishing seventh because they could easily have been dragged into a relegation fight even last season. They've had some mixed results in the League Cup. They drew nothing each with Falkirk, lost on penalties. That was the game where Katongo actually got that straight red card. They only had one player on the bench for that game because their squad was so thin, and then they went on to lose 2 nothing to Clyde. So the first two games, they've actually not scored any goals against two teams from the division below us, right? But then after that, they drew one each with Hibs through Easter Road, beat them on penalties, and that will be recorded as a 3-0 because Hibs actually uh, yeah, they, they, they got taken to a tribunal by the SPFL for playing an ineligible player. I believe it was also the same player who they signed accidentally in the summer as well, so that's a double whammy for him. Yes. <laughs> um, and then they went on to beat Bonnyrigg 3-1. So like I say, a bit of a mixed bag. Probably a bit disappointing to start the first two games against lower league opposition without they improved a little bit on the back of that. What I think, you know, what I think is is fairly, you know, when you read this, you have to say fair enough. So they put out a, a statement today where they were being quite frank to the fans, saying that money's tight and chances are Dougie Emery is going to have to make do with the squad that we have at the minute. Um, and it's good to see that sort of communication from clubs. You know, it's 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 not good news, but. Fair enough on the transparency. I think that's what we all want as fans. And yeah, the signing, the signing to watch out for for me is going to be Jay's Cabia, who they brought in on loan from Livingston. I don't know if you remember, he played against us for Falkirk last season. They brought him in for the second half of last season. Uh, scored four and twelve, which isn't too bad considering Falkirk were absolutely terrible in the midfield with absolutely you know with, with very little creativity. He was a winger. Um, and I think he'll do okay for them I think he'll be important for them also they've brought in uh, Brian Schwake from Edinburgh City fairly highly rated goalkeeper I think he could do alright as well so yeah Morton to finish bottom according to us what are your guys thoughts on that? I can't see 
really past them, especially after, the, as you mentioned, that announcement they came out with today and basically said, that's that's us done. I, and again, absolutely fair play to them for coming out and, and giving that message to the fans. Just, I'll mention very quickly, you obviously said that kind of transparency is certainly something we, we, we would love anything like that. Just tell, just tell us what's going on at the club. But anyway, we won't go back over that right now. We're here to talk about the other championship teams for once. So yeah, it was... When you seen that, when you read through that statement, it did kind of make you think, oh, how, how long are Morton actually going to have here? Um, by all accounts, they, they even had some investment lined up and then that investment pulled out. And they're now looking at trying to get bank loans, I think, or something, or a loan off a loan off a, a businessman rather than an actual investment. So, yeah, it sounds like it's maybe going to be a struggle for them. They're definitely going to have to make do with the squad that they have. If they pick up a couple of injuries... They, they did sign Jai Katonga from us. We asked the question, will he actually stay fit for the entire season with them? Will we come up against him because of that? If they lose a player like him, yeah, as you say, they've maybe brought in a, a couple of, a, or a Kabia who did well for Falkirk. But if they lose a couple of players to injury, they are, they are uh, up that proverbial creek without a paddle. Yep, absolutely, yeah. And, uh, you know, you talk touching on the, the finances again and, and the uh, the statement that they put out today. What they mentioned in that statement was actually... That the you know the, the general kind of cost of living crisis that everyone's experiencing at the minute is you know is the, the price of the utilities at the club yeah, to, to, to manage to run the stadium floodlights all of this something that you probably don't think about very much but that's gone up by a massive amount and chances are there's going to be other clubs affected by that soon as well if they haven't already been it's just maybe not something that people have actually talked about much and are, are Morton not one of these teams that operate a, a sort of fan ownership model because. Yes, I'm sure. I'm sure they are. So that they're not kind of, they're not going to be one of these clubs who, I guess, something like like ourselves, who who have someone that can just plow that money into the club and get them through a difficult period. There's going to be a lot of um, sort of balancing in the books to to get them by. And obviously, I think did we touch on um, Gillespie as well? He's obviously at Morton, so it'll be interesting to see how he gets on this season um, and whether he's. I don't know what the intention is if he's going to be. Uh, starting for them this season. Do you I know if he was, he's started he's, all the games so far? Yeah, he? he's, he's been a, scoring a few penalties actually. Yeah, hasn't he's the he? top scorer. He's the top scorer because he scored a couple of penalties in right. the ages of the league cup. He so, was yeah, a penalty taker for us as well. Was, yeah, I think he, he was, was actually yeah. our top scorer as well because there was a period, you know, at the start of last season where we were struggling to find goals after after maybe five or six games, and uh, yeah, he was he was uh, he'd scored a few penalties and he was top he was top scorer for us for a. Maybe at a month or two, anyway. Gillespie's a funny one, isn't he? Because when he was playing with us, there was that period before he went and miraculously got here that he was he was excellent. He was he was really really solid in the ball, and then it just kind of I don't know, it just sort of sort of disappeared. Um, the the ability that he had before he started to look a lot less confident. Whether he was carrying an injury, I'm not sure. Um, but no, I would I would agree with you. I think I think I didn't have Morton last. Um, but I think they will be down there. Um, and Skybet agrees with us, so I had a wee look at the the bookies odds for everybody. And uh, Morton are fifty to one to win the championship, which is nearly double the the, the next closest team. And the next closest team is well uh, for for us it is Cove. Now this doesn't correspond with Skybet, so I had Cove last. Um, David had Cove ninth, and Enzo had Cove eighth. Um, so a wee bit of variation there, but uh, yeah, David, I think you're going to chat us through this one. Yeah, I was going to because I think 
when you look at Cove and they've had a lot of great success recently. Um, well, you know, they've they've been in the last four seasons they've been promoted three times. So you know, they they won the Highland League, they won League Two, and they won League One obviously last year as well. And in between that, they finished second um, in in League Two as well, in League One, sorry, as well. So you know, they've they've been there or thereabouts every single time. And now though, the, the biggest thing by far is the loss of Paul Hartley as the manager. Um, obviously, they have had a lot of money coming in, and that's how they've managed to get up the leagues and everything there, but he's also been at the helm that entire time, and he's, he's obviously done a really good job with them. But he moved on to Hartlepool in the summer, and they brought in Jim McIntyre, who obviously was a former professional striker. He played for clubs um, up and down uh, England and Scotland. Um, he then had a few, he's had a few managerial jobs, uh, Dunfermline, which is where he ended his playing career. He became caretaker manager there. Uh, Queen of the South, Ross County. But his last job was for Dundee in the 18-19 season. And he won four games out of 31. Oh, jeez. As they finished bottom, of the, as they finished a clear bottom of the league and, and got relegated. And it was the, the lowest win percentage of any Dundee manager in history until uh, Malky Mackay took over uh, at the beginning of this calendar year and, and, and done even worse. With them. So yeah, um, and as I say he's been out the game for for three years. So f- since twenty nineteen, it's maybe not it's not a, a managerial appointment that I think. See, certainly if you were at Queens Park and and he came in, I don't think there'd be too many of us perhaps celebrating that on on the face of it when you look at the stats. But you never know; he may well turn it around. Did he manage to turn it around in the League Cup under Cove? Let's have a quick look. Not really because they did get a 2-1 victory over Albion Rovers, and they did draw one all with Inverness. They did, but lose the other two games. They lost 2-1 to Livingston, which you'd maybe accept, because obviously, again, they're a Premier League team and everything there. They did also lose 3-2 to Kelty, which, you know, obviously, you, you don't want to be losing to teams uh, in the leagues lower than you. Not only that, so not only that sort of so-so record to begin with, but you've got to have a quick look at their their activity in the transfer window. It's not been uh, great so far. They've they've lost a couple of players. Uh, one in particular that, that stood out as a player that they lost was one of their best players, the left-back, Harry Milne, who went to Partick Thistle. They do still have players there like uh, Shea Logan, uh, Fraser Fivey, and Mitch Meganson, who was the top goal scorer in League One last year. However, the second top goal scorer in League One, Rory McAllister, who at this moment in time, still plays for Cove. He's been transfer listed. And appar- apparently he's off to Brecon in the Highland League, which is wild. I mean, we obviously, obviously we have no idea what the reasons are behind the, the, the transfer listing and anything like that. Nor do we really have, personally, nor do I have any idea why he's going to, to Brecon. He clearly just wants to score eight goals a game and then be subbed off after 60 minutes because Rory McAllister has scored goals for fun in the lower leagues for well as long as as long as i've as long as i can remember usually against us um, usually usually he scored about half his league goals against queen's park every season yeah because when he was at peterhead and then at cove you you just always knew he was always good for a goal against us so quite glad that he's actually leaving cove for for whatever his for whatever his reasons are and haven't had a look at their their signings coming in so they've signed a, a, a only a couple of players it looks like at the moment uh, they signed a young defender on loan from aberdeen but they have made a signing from the lower leagues in England, uh, a guy called Jerry McDonough, Dona, I may be pronouncing that wrong, but Jerry McDonough, 
who is a striker, so you've got to then assume, well, he'll be the replacement for Rory McAllister. Now, Rory McAllister scored 16 goals last season in the league. This guy has scored seven goals in six seasons. That's what I like to see. To be fair to the guy, to be fair, well, I say to be fair, he has only played 63 games in six seasons, which again, you know, should be a red flag to anybody that's maybe looking to sign this guy. But um, yeah, they are, they are replacing a prolific goal scorer with what looks like somebody that is very much the, the opposite. Yeah, yep. um, I will be happy if I never see Rory McAllister play against Queen's Park again in my life. If that, if last season away to Cove was the last time that I've ever seen him, um, I'd be absolutely fine with that. Because I, the, the guy's just a very good footballer. He's he's pain in the arse, good at scoring goals. Um, has done it against us for what feels like an eternity. Um, so he will be very very difficult to replace. I think I remember like reading from the the, the article that Cove posted that. He couldn't give them the commitment, like time commitment, if it, it, it read as um, that they were after. So I wonder if that means that Cove are going for a slightly different setup to think, how they've yeah, operated previously. I think they're looking at doing like a, a hybrid kind of kind of right. deal with some players part time and some players full time. And I think he's he's always, I mean, he's always been a part time player. I don't know if he's got you know if he's got a business or something like that on the side himself. Uh, but he's never he's never stood up and or he's never taken the step up rather to full-time football despite the fact I think we all know that he's, he's definitely had the talent to, to do, or certainly in the last few years he's had the talent to do that and he's never taken that step up again uh, so I can only assume that that's part of it because obviously breaking down in the Highland League they're, they're going to be part-time you know he, he'll be and it's obviously back up in that that neck of the woods so it must, it must just suit him much better there uh, yeah so yeah. Um, as far as my worries, he's a plumber so he's got his own plumbing he's got his own plumbing company and there I would imagine He's just not willing to, you know, it's important for, I suppose, people who have alternative options to, to recognise that the career as a, as a footballer in the lower leagues in Scotland is relatively short. So, yeah, if you can prioritise something else while still making a bit of extra money on the side, scoring 15, 20 goals a season, then then fair enough. Uh, you know, for some people that probably just suits, suits their lifestyle a little bit better. Um, yeah. As far as I'm aware, Brecon have actually got a little bit of money to spend at the minute, and I don't know where it necessarily came from, but... Yeah, they, they were quite keen on splashing a bit of cash this season. And I have a feeling, actually, Breakin might end up being the first team to have dropped out of the SPFL that we might see make their way back up again. And I would like to see that because I really I, I like Breakin as a club. It's always been a really good away day. Um, so, yeah, that is, it's going to be an interesting one to keep an eye on. I don't think it's been announced yet, but I suppose we'll see over the next few days. Yeah, I think it's just a newspaper article at the moment, but yeah, uh, time will tell with that. And and if he does leave, that will be uh, a big loss for Cove. Um, obviously, we we came up against Cove last season, and it's it's definitely worth just recapping our record against Cove because despite the fact that they finished, that like they won the league, they finished well ahead of us. They finished on seventy nine points, and we finished on fifty one. So they finished twenty eight points ahead of us. They didn't lose a single game at home last season they only lost three games in total they had a, a really really good season we actually they're probably one of the teams that we had one of our better records against because we never lost to Cove despite the fact that we struggled mightily against East Fife Clyde and and the aforementioned Peterhead who were finished down in the bottom or bottom three out of four because Dumbarton were down there as well but we, we dealt with them pretty well but those three teams I think we had an absolutely terrible record. Uh, I don't remember it off the top of my head, but it was certainly not enough wins considering they were bottom three of the league. 
Whereas Cove, we actually won one of our games against them, 2-0. It was a 2-0 game at Furhill when Fraser Fivey was sent off about 30 minutes into the game or so. Uh, that was a Simon Murray free kick. And then about a minute later, Bob McHugh got a goal thrown into the net after the keeper, I don't recall what he was doing with his arms, but he certainly wasn't trying to catch a football and he, and he gifted a free goal to us. And then we had three draws uh, against them. So we actually played pretty well against them last year. Given that they're going to lose one of their biggest threats, we have to fancy our chances against them and, and finishing clear to them. I would hope yeah. so. I would hope so. As far as as far as the bookies odds go, um, they've got us to win the championship at sixteen to one alongside Cove and Hamilton. So they've kind of put us on a par. I remember last season when I seen the odds and Cove were very much out ahead of everybody, and I, I was probably partly surprised at that, but I was proven um, never never bet against the bookies um, on on that one. I I put Cove tenth mostly on the basis of. They have a very, or last season they certainly had a very good start in 11, right? But see when you went down the sort of, the depth element to it, I don't remember them having any significant injuries. When you think of how absolutely riddled with injuries we were last season, the amount of full-time professional footballers that we went through, Cove just seemed to manage that a lot better. And I just don't think you're going to get that lucky again if they go down the same approach. Um, They have a relatively small core. It doesn't look like, so far... That, they, that they've advanced that and I could see them struggling against a lot of fully established sides and I would like to think teams like ourselves are going to kick on a wee bit um, you're, I mean you're absolutely right with that point there Callum because my last well second last point, my last point about the actual playing squad itself was um, and uh, a shout out to Neri's Toe Poker on Twitter because I'm stealing this almost word for word off of them but not including Rory McAllister who is obviously as we say, it looks like he's leaving the club, he's going to join Brecon. And Ross Draper, who apparently doesn't even have a squad number for them, so he must be out of favour or, I don't know, long-term injury, something like that, something, something there. They only have 16 players on the books. So yeah. they've, got, they've got an 11 and five subs, and the league starts, as we are sitting here right now, in two and a half days. That's, that's, that is not oh, is any... That is a, a sm- a small core and very little depth. It, it doesn't look good, does it? But So there are two reasons why I don't think Cove will get relegated. And the first one, to be honest with you, doesn't really mean anything. The first one is that traditionally the team that gets promoted from League One into the Championship usually has a solid first year. They very, very rarely go back down straight away. I know that that doesn't actually count for anything if... if you know, if they end up having a really bad season and it snowballs out of control, they don't start well, then they might they might find themselves down at the bottom end of the table. But the second reason why I don't think Cove will get relegated is they have the financial backing. If they're struggling come January, I can see them plucking out a couple of ex-Premier League players from here or there to come down and play part-time for them and, uh, and help them pull away from the pack who are kind of fighting ninth and 10th place. Well, as you say, time will certainly tell there, but they are going to be battling around the bottom of the league, we all think, whether it's whether it is in dead last place or maybe just avoiding the, the relegation playoff. Uh, we do expect them to, to struggle this year. My very, very last point, just a, it's just a little snidey comment here um, on their, their stadium, which, I mean, I'll be honest, I kind of liked when we went up there. It was obviously a little bit odd. Uh, it's a pretty small uh, homestand, and then they had those three little coup sheds along the the far touchline the little sheds appear to have gone and they've put a 
a stand about the length, like the length of the, the far touch line. Looks like they only got planning for permission for that about six weeks ago, and I seen a photo a couple of days ago. It looks like the stands all there and and ready to go. So I just found that I just found that a little bit interesting. I don't know what you guys think of that. <laughs> oh, why 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 do it in six weeks when you can take two years? Well, given the length of given the length of time, then, then hopefully you know our, our new stands when they are put up will be of a much higher quality and just make make a a, a better venue for for watching a game of football. There you go, Ed. So that's that's a good response. I like that. Callum, go and tell us who we believe is going to on the consensus finish eighth and finish in the relegation or not just avoid rather sorry uh, the relegation playoff. Yeah, scraping by. So we've got Morton relegated, Cove sitting in ninth, and eighth place is Hamilton. So I had Hamilton as eighth. David also had Hamilton as eighth. And Enzo had Hamilton a wee bit more favourably, sitting up at sixth um, sixth place. So I've got a wee bit of information about him, a few talking points I'd like to cut through. Obviously, we've just played them, so that's, that's pretty beneficial. But um, last season, they finished sixth. Um, they had the second highest goals against in the league. 10 wins, 12 draws, 14 losses. Um, there's a few interesting points in Hamilton. So the first one sort of point I know is is John Rankin. So never managed a, a, a first team level before. He originally joined as an assistant manager in December after being a coach at Hearts. So he took over from Stuart Taylor. Now, I think there was a bit of sort of haste amongst the Hamilton support on this one because he was, um, there wasn't much going on basically up until the 28th of June. Um, and that, that's when they appointed Taylor. So basically they went over the summer period, a lot, lot of radio silence, not much going on, including in the squad element. Then they announced him. So it does make you wonder if there's a bit of sort of unrest behind the scenes. And when I was reading into the, the club a wee bit more today, I noticed that they, they actually put out an article today. Um, they've got a new board in place. There's a restructure going on. And they make note in a sort of similar vein to Morton that the last, I think the, the direct quote was, the last 30 months have been hugely disruptive and financially draining. So you wonder if that's a wee bit of a, a sort of sign of things to come. Yeah, they're um, also struggling, yeah. Aye. But um, I don't know what you guys think about the, the sort of appointment of John Rankin. Um, do you think it's good for a club in the Championship to appoint a guy who's, I guess, new to, to management to an extent? Um, or do you think one of the, the, the I mean, sort of old cast is a better appointment? Oh, I, I, I'm always, I'm always for a, a team that appoints a manager that isn't from you know the 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 classic the medical round the jobs for the boys. John Hughes, uh, for example. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, some you know somebody like that. There's there's that many of them out there. Um, it's it's good to see that in a way. I mean, how it works out for them, I have no idea. Um, Hopefully, obviously, from a very selfish, from a Queen's Park point of view, hopefully it doesn't go very well. But uh, they're taking that chance. Maybe they're taking that chance because he has a new manager. Maybe he's a little bit cheaper than some of the others. Is that maybe maybe a bit more of a cynical point on why they're doing that as well? It's a possibility, definitely. Yeah, I mean, if they're you know if they're struggling a little bit financially at the minute, then they're going to have to take that into account. And even these guys off the, the Scottish football merry-go-round that you're, you're talking about there, David, some of them would probably still command a hefty salary and it, it, it might make sense. You know, he knows the club, he's been in and around the club and from from what I gather, actually, Hamilton fans were fairly pleased with the appointment so 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know what it is. I'm just not convinced. I know that there's been a lot of talk of Hamilton, you know, might finish bottom, Hamilton in for a really bad season. I'm not convinced they're as bad as what some people make out. And, and I'm certainly not convinced that they're one of the worst two or three teams in the division. Yeah, and I think that, I think that's a sort of good segue onto the the sort of chat around their players. So the the end of last season, sort of notable departure was David Moyo. So he had fourteen goals and ninety three appearances for them. I believe he was in contract, but he decided he wanted to pursue opportunities elsewhere. Um, I think another one is Jamie Hamilton, who's a pretty promising um, defender for them. So he's out of contract. He hasn't actually left, um, but the rumours are that he'll be away. In terms of players in, they brought in uh, Doyle, as we as we know, done all right against us when we played them the other day. Uh, Johnny Gandu signed from Coventry as a midfielder. Again, no, not a sort of vast amount of first-team experience. But I think there is a couple of interesting points. Andy Ryan, so we've seen him, correct me if I'm wrong, but this was back when he played for Airdrie. And I just remember that season... If, was that the one where we played them eight times and I don't think we won a single game against them? But he he always looked very, very competent whenever we've seen him. He scored 11 goals last season, so he's he's of a decent calibre and I'm sure he'll do well for them again. Brian Easton, centre-back, played for Hamilton on three occasions. Getting on a wee bit, but he's a pretty solid player. And the one that I picked out from our game against Hamilton, who I actually thought was one of the best players on the pitch, was Steve Lawson. Um, so he was a number 24 and centre midfield for Hamilton. I thought he was excellent. He just cleared up absolutely everything in midfield. He was, I mean, you could hear him from where we were sitting. He was shouting at his players, controlling the midfield, that proper like leader role. And I think that's something that maybe we've wanted an occasion, perhaps. Um, but I thought he looked really, really good. He came from the, the Swiss League um, before joining Livy and then ending up at Hamilton. Um, but yeah, I, d- I don't know what you're thinking any of those guys. Maybe Andy Ryan's, or if, did you notice Steve Lawson as well when we were playing on t- uh, the weekend? Lawson stood out to me absolutely. Yeah, for me, he was the the best um, the best player in the Hamilton in a Hamilton shirt, and I thought he looked very good. And if he can play to that standard every week, then you know I think he'll do. I think he'll do well for them. Yeah, I would agree with that. Definitely agree with that. And yeah, there's a couple of players to look out for. Uh, for Hamilton, it's, well, Ngandu, I may pronounce that wrong, is it Gandu? Ngandu? Uh, he scored the winning penalty in the shootout against us, so uh, he found the net there. Um, but let's hope, as I say, like all these other teams, that they don't find the net too often throughout the season. Let's move on to our next team we're going to look at now. So let's see, Calm, who do we think is going to finish seventh in the championship? Seventh, uh, we have got Wraith Rovers. Um, so I had Wraith at fifth. Uh, David, you had them seventh. And Enzo, you had them ninth, which I thought was quite surprising. Um, but yeah, so I've got, I've got a wee bit on Wraith and then we can, we can delve into our, our predictions and how we arrived at them. So they finished fifth last season. 12 wins, 10 draws, 14 losses, two points off a playoff spot. Um, decidedly mid-table in terms of their goals for and against. So they've had a wee bit of turnover this year. So Ian Murray um, managed Airdrie from 2018 till the end of last season. I wonder how his season ended. Um, I don't worry, I built in some time for us to, to have a wee laugh at Airdrie throughout this spiel as well. Um, signed, signed a two-year contract with Wraith. Yeah, in fact, let, let, let's pause it, Murray, before we crack on. How do you think he'll do? My, my general opinion is questionable. 
Um, I think it took three seasons to build that Airdrie team, and they they were pretty inconspicuous for the first couple of them. I'm not convinced they would have the same time at Wraith um, or patience. So that's um, actually yeah. So that's Ian Murray is part of the reason why I actually think that Airdrie, uh, sorry, that the Wraith won't do particularly well this season, and. It might seem harsh. It might seem harsh because he obviously he built a good squad at Airdrie, but it took him a long time to do it, and it took him a long time to get them playing the sort of football that we saw them playing, particularly in the second half of last season. They were fantastic to watch at times. They were they were a good good team. But like I say, like, like you say, Callum, is he going to get that time at Wraith? You know, if he's not got them playing decent football and getting results come January, February, then then is he going to get? another half season is he going to get another season is he going to get another two and a half seasons like he did at Airdrie I don't know I remember there were, there were points during his tenure at Airdrie where their fans certainly wanted rid of him and uh, yeah I just I'm not entirely convinced and, and ultimately this this great squad that he built at Airdrie achieved nothing they lost achieved. the playoff finals to us which was brilliant they blew the opportunity to overtake Cove as well in the league when, when that was presented to them and I just I, I don't I, I, I think he's a gamble I really do with Murray as well I think he's got big shoes to fill at Wraith I mean obviously John McGlynn was a manager there before and I think I mean I know he's not necessarily one that's maybe on that managerial merry-go-round that we're talking about but he I think just done a, a, a pretty solid job obviously they finished fifth they were close to the playoffs last season it didn't quite work out for them um, but again I just always found that he's uh, personally I've always thought he's one of these managers that just does a, a kind of solid job you know every now and then they'll have a season where it kind of stands out but for the most part he's just relatively steady he's now obviously gone on to Falkirk trying to sort them out good luck to him there uh, while I do think he's got big shoes to fill I think one of the reasons that he has moved on is obviously he kind of um, damaged his reputation with the, the January signing of David Goodwillie and how that kind of quite incredibly blew up in their faces at Wraith Rovers for the for the manager and the chairman. I, I can't remember that guy's oh, name, but it seems like it seems like he's a little bit of a, a a character and and not necessarily in a good way. So um, yeah, I, I think I think McGlynn had done a good job at Wraith. He obviously did maybe leave on a bit of a, a sour note because of what happened there. And at the end of the day, it was his decision to bring David Goodwillie in. I don't think we need to discuss that anymore. I think everybody knows you know what's going on there. Um, Will, will will Murray get the time to, to to build that team as you say? I don't know. Will he then also suffer because he's not John McGlynn? How many times do you see where a, a sort of decent manager leaves, somebody new comes in, and because they're not the previous guy, they get even less time than you might even expect? Uh, if they don't hit the ground running, and I'm sure Cal will come on and tell us just in a moment what they've done in the transfer window to get that, um, I think, yeah, I agree with you, Andrew. I think he could be in trouble. Yes, um, and you wonder like the the Goodwillie situation if that's had any long lasting commercial implications because I know that a bunch of sponsors kind of dipped out um, as soon as that happened, right? Rightfully so. That could that could impact them this season. But yeah, um, jumping onto the players, so a couple of notable players who left. So Kyle Benedictus, um, he had been their centre back for the best part of seven years, signed by Ray McKinnon. Um, familiar guy, name, good, good guy. Yep, yep. Um, so he's went to Dunfermline. And the other notable one, which just happened in the last couple of days, is Christoph Berra. So obviously, former Scotland international. Um, in June, they actually announced that he was 
signed on as a, a player coach this season, so a bit of a dual role. Um, and then yesterday, uh, he's basically went to pre-season, thought, nah, sack this, and has retired from professional football. So what that what that tells him about Wraith or his own ability, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. But the, the, notif- the noticeable thing for me when looking on Wraith's player's website, no centre-backs, <laughs> like... There's yeah, he was no the many, last one, yeah, wasn't he? <laughs> the, the, there's just no centre-backs. Um, there might have been a couple of youth guys, but there, there just didn't seem to be much kicking about. So that, that feels like it could be a bit of a problem area for them. But you've got to assume Berra's going to free up some wages, he'll bring somebody in, but at what point in the market are you at now when you're we're having to look at that? The other notable ones in terms of guys coming in, um, Dylan Easton. Would anybody like to start the laughing at Dylan Easton? David Enzo, one one of you can can fire it up. I think I said that it was the most ridiculously blatant penalty I've ever seen given away in what is basically a cup final or any kind of final of any description. Um, I mean, yeah, okay, I'm going to laugh at the penalty there because even thinking about it right now, it obviously got us up. It, maybe, maybe we'll have to give him a wee sarcastic round of applause when uh, when his name's read out when we play Wraith. Uh, but that aside, to be fair, he was probably one of Airdrie's best players who, let's not forget, despite the fact it's hilarious we beat them and, and we all know the song, we hate Airdrie, right? It's still, you know, you can't avoid the fact that he was one of their best players and, and he very frequently played very well against us. Aye. I mean, the only the only reason it's so funny is because he is a legitimately good footballer um, and he, he's one of those sort of abrasive players that gets under your skin and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, but I was ha- I was having a wee look at his sort of career and it is kind of interesting for a guy with, with so much footballing ability. He's never really made it or been at this level for, for any period of time. He's been at Kelty, Airdrie, Forfar, Elgin. I think he had a spell at Berwick as well. So it, there, why? I guess would be my question. Why hasn't he made it? The only bit that jumps out for me is the physicality side of it. He's not particularly quick. He's not particularly big. Um, you wonder if he, that would maybe cause him some issues this season. I, I yeah. disagree, Callum. He's very big and he's ridiculously strong, which is why he absolutely destroyed Simon Murray. To get away that penalty. <laughs> that's, the only, that's the only reason. I mean, big, it, was, bad villain. It, was, it was borderline assault for that penalty. So we'll, we'll, we just need to put that there. But sorry, continue. Well, Easton, Easton is a very good player. He had a fantastic season for Airdrie last year. And, you know, whenever I saw whenever I saw them play, whether it was against us or maybe highlights against the other teams, he always stood out. He was he was good. But like you say, Callum, he's not he's not a young guy just getting his first break at this level now. You know, I think he's 28, 29 years old. Uh, so this isn't him stepping up with a view to, you know, potentially kick on again. You know, this is probably him playing at the highest level he's realistically going to play at. And uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's possible that maybe maybe he'll flop in the championship. I'm not 100% sure. To be fair, he did score an absolute screamer for Wraith in the League Cup. I can't remember who it was against, but I would encourage you to look for that because it was a very, very good goal. And he has performed well for them so far. But again, the League Cup's different, isn't it? It's, it's technically, yeah, okay, it's a competitive tournament, but it's still used as pre-season preparation for a lot of teams and it's still it's very difficult to take too much from it. Yeah, and the the other notable player that they've signed so far is Scott Brown, not the Scott Brown that immediately jumps to your head, but the guy that captained Peter Head for the last three seasons. So he does have a bit of pedigree, he played for um, St. John's in the SPL for a few seasons, a sort of squad player, and then he's kind of drifted down the leagues, now back up with, with race. So 
I'm sure he'll do a, a sort of decent job for them. But question, uh, can you name me the three former Queen's Park players who currently are within Wraith's squad? Um, oh, no. <laughs> well, hold on, give me a minute. That's an interesting one, haven't we? I you say give, give me a minute oh. so you can Google it. That's, I that's say, Google it. Right, okay, okay, no, no, sorry, I'm not Googling it. Come on. Where's the um, fun in that? Daniel's an Atta. Yeah, uh, yes, Daniel's an Atta. Um, really tiny guy. Tiny guy? Aye. Dundee United. Aidan Connolly. Aidan Connolly, that's the last He's, one. Is he there? Oh. Aye. Yeah, yep, signed. Do you know what's mad, right? He pay, played for us in 2012. And he is 26 <laughs> currently. So no. uh, honestly, unless uh, Wikipedia is lying to me, which it very well might be. The last one, I'll be impressed if any of you know it. I so don't I'm know not who the last gonna, one is. Yeah. Not I, don't, I, I didn't even know who this guy was, right? I'm not going to lie. Jamie Gullen played for Queens back in. Uh, I recognize the name, actually. 2017 18, apparently. He's a striker. They played in the SPL for Hibs and had sort of multiple loan spells at Wraith before signing permanently. So that's our. Um, yeah. That's a, that's our three links to Wraith. But I mean, from what I've seen of Connolly and that at Queens, they're they're both very good players. Um both always I always liked Connolly. I did. Yeah, yeah. Pretty pretty attacking guys as well, always going forward, positive players. So no, no I'm sure I, my, my gut feeling is that Wraith will have a pretty decent midfield to play a lot of tidy football, but maybe be a wee bit toothless um either side of it. Um oh. Another another reason why I actually had Wraith at ninth in my prediction, on top of the stuff that I mentioned about you know being I'm quite sceptical about Ian Murray's appointment. You know what? In this division, there's always one team that really underperforms, and Wraith's goal should really be the playoffs, not the relegation playoffs, the promotion playoffs. But there's always one team that really underperforms, one team that you don't expect that are battling out at the bottom of the league. And for me, this year, just a combination of things, I think it's going to be Wraith Rovers. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, that, that makes sense. Is that so? Oh, we maybe should have saved that for the spicy takes at the end. Maybe that's is that going to be yours? You think Wraith are you, th- uh, you want to use yours up on Wraith Rovers being that underperforming team that's going to be down there? I'm going to use mine up on Wraith Rovers getting relegated. Oof. Right, you're going to right. We need to recalculate it, Cam. They're going to actually drop down. Or no, not? no, 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 no. They're still going to lose the playoffs. We're not going to lose the playoffs. That's fine. That's fine. Right. So there we go. There's the first spicy take of the day. We'll come back to mine and Calms at the end. But uh, there we are. So Wraith to get uh, be in the relegation playoffs after finishing fifth last season and just missing yeah. out on a couple of points. That would definitely be a. a, a they also a won the Challenge Cup last year. Uh, they certainly did. Yes, yeah. so it would be a real disappointment for them to to be on the borderline of League One. There. Well, there we go. Uh, right. Let's move on to the next team, Calm. Who do we think is going to finish sixth in the league? Sixth place, um, we have Air United. So, as far as Skybet go, they think that Air are going to be second last. So they've got them at twenty-eight to one to win the league. So we're uh, conversing really? with the bookies. Ah, yeah, second, oh, wow. second last. Um, so I had Air as seventh. David, you had them as sixth, and Enzo, you also had them as seventh. So I think it is David. Yeah, yeah, myself had a little look at air. Yes. So, um, I mean, seventh or or sixth rather for this season would actually be an improvement on the last couple of years for air. So they they finished eighth last season in the championship, 
Um, and actually, the year before, they finished eighth in the championship again. Uh, last year, I think they avoided it by, I think it was just a couple of points. It was like the last couple of games, they, they jumped up and, and avoided the relegation playoffs. The year before, they actually avoided it on the last day of the season. So they only just stayed up in the championship. Uh, prior to that, they'd had a couple of good finishes. They'd, they'd finished, uh, I think, actually fourth both years in the in the championship. The year before that, 17-18, was the last time that we actually played against Air. It was in League One. It was the season where we finished uh, ninth and we went into the relegation playoffs and Air won the league that year and they they beat us all four games in the league that year. So obviously we don't really need to, to reminisce too much on that. Uh, they've started off this season perhaps not brilliantly and maybe that's putting it putting it lightly because they didn't win a game in the League Cup. They got two draws and two defeats. They drew 0-0 with Elgin and won all with Annan. Maybe the Annan result's a good one because Annan actually won that group there. Um, quite quite convincingly. I think well done to them. Um, but then Ayr lost 3-0 to Queen of the South and 1-0 to St. Johnson. So not brilliant results in there. Um, the current manager is Lee Bullen who joined the club in January, uh, he is a, he had a long uh, playing career, just over twenty years, uh, playing all over the UK, and he even had a few stints abroad. A few, he was one of these guys that went to these random teams. I think he was also out in um, India or Malaysia or in, in Asia somewhere as well in one of these uh, wild and wacky leagues. Um, he also, but uh, but after his playing career finished, he has only had three stints as a caretaker manager. For Sheffield Wednesday, because he was uh, he was working initially as a, a a youth coach, and then he was the assistant manager. And after his three stints as caretaker, he then went to the under twenty three manager. Uh, but then he was announced by Air in in January, so he led them the second half of that season to an eighth place finish in the championship. Uh, so maybe not the the start to the season that he, he would have wanted there. Looking at their transfer window, uh, they've lost a, a few, a couple of notable players that they've lost. So they lost quite a few players, but two noticeable ones was it was uh, Tommy Adeloy who went to Swindon, and I believe at one point we were potentially rumoured or linked with him. Uh, he was their top goal scorer in the league last year. I think it was about 11, 10 or 11 goals that he scored last season in the league. So that's obviously a big loss there. And they also lost Aaron Muirhead to Partick Thistle, who say, snapped up one of Cove's better players in a free transfer. They've done the same to Ayr uh, with Aaron Muirhead. So with Ayr, as I say, it's a long time come to you guys now. It was a long time since we played them in the league. But I do recall my first sort of four, five, six years following Queen's Park. It seemed like we always came up against Ayr. And they were one of these teams that either, well, I think actually no matter what the result was, they always seemed to be kind of really big games and really kind of, Crazy three two four three like there was always things going on in these games. Do you think we're going to see more of the same this year? Well, I think we're going to see more of the same. I think we'll see a lot of that from Queens Park in general this season. I think we'll see a lot of high scoring games, games where we put a couple of goals past the other team, but they unfortunately also do the same to us. Um, I, I'll be honest with you, Air are probably the team that I know least about in this division. When I was looking at you know when I'm when I'm looking at the the table and thinking about. Who's going to fit in where? They're probably the team that I, you know I'm least knowledgeable about, and I don't know why that is. But the one thing that really stands out to me is Tommy Adeloy. You know, Air were lucky enough to have one of only five players to hit double digits in the goal scoring last season. It's a rare thing to come by, and if you have one and you lose them, it's going to have a massive impact. So, 
maybe maybe they might struggle a little bit up front and we're not going to see those high scoring games involving them quite so much. I'm not totally sure. As I say, they did have, or as you say, Enzo Rally, they did have one of the those best scoring players in the league. And as I say, they finished eighth in the league. So they, yeah, they clearly, they clearly didn't use that to their advantage. Um, they have brought in a, a few, quite a few players. They brought in uh, a centre-back, uh, Frankie Misonda from Wraith. So perhaps that's to help shore up the, the defence that, that clearly didn't do very well last year. They've also brought in a young defender from Arsenal. Uh, the boy's called Alex Kirk uh, from Arsenal under 21s. I don't think we can say any more of that. We had experience of English youth players. Patrick Jarrett this season seems to maybe be bringing us back round, but last season our players that came up from that level perhaps didn't perform as we expected, so who knows what you're going to get from, from Alex Kirk. I thought it was a bit interesting, the next signing that I'm going to just briefly mention, um, is a guy called David Bangala, and he's came from the Slovakian top division, from a team called Poroni, not not Poroni, not, not the lager unfortunately, but Poroni, plucking a player out of the Slovakian, Slovakian top division. I don't know how they've managed that, but he um, he came through the youth system at Le Havre, which is a well-known youth system and has developed some decent players over the years. But as he's then obviously moved on, he's he's been out a couple of different teams and he was out in Slovakia. They've they've brought him in from, from there. But he seems to be quite quite a physical player. He seems to be a defensive midfielder and another centre-half. So I think looking at those three players, Masonda, Kirk and Bengala, they perhaps recognised that their weakness was at the back. They may well have lost a top goal scorer, but maybe their plan this year is just to not concede as many goals as they did last year. I like it when I see teams signing players from different leagues. It's a wee bit more inventive, isn't it? And I think there's there's opportunity for you to um, to make some real quality signings uh, from a lot of these countries abroad. I, I just kind of wish I knew how how they come about. You sort of mentioned it before, like. I think it's just purely an agent to agent sort of thing. Guy wants to come across to Scotland, starts touting him around, or do you think he'd have uh, sent their scouts out to where? Where did you say he was from? Slovakia. Slovakia, yeah. I uh, don't know how. I don't know how long his YouTube highlights video is. Um, I'll see if I, I can do, look that up just now. But exactly, I do kind of like the idea of somebody sitting at a Slovakian Premier League game with an Air United um, tracky on. But um, no, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how they get on. And it's one for the stadium list for me. I don't think I've I've been to um, Ears Ground. I don't. Oh, you're missing out. No, I think I missed it. I think I missed it's, it every time. I, and I tell you something. I do have a little. Just a, I, I made a little note to talk about Somerset Park because it is. It's just it's a it's just one of the few sort of remaining like old school stadiums. I mean, it is a dump. What you got? Oh, it is. It is. Nice it's at the same time. I see the same for me personally. Anyway, it's still that's really endearing because it's because it is. It's like it's a proper sort of old fashioned. You know, it's you know, it's obviously or pretty much all terrace, and you're always stuck up on the terrace and on those little concrete steps. You get the big metal bars. The the guys' toilets is literally a brick wall with a little tin roof over the top here. It's you know it, they do have big plans to actually redevelop Somerset Park, so it's not going to be like that for much longer. That's true. Yeah, they're, they're they're looking at bringing it up into the well the twentieth and then the twenty first century and and bring it right up to date. But again, a little to me, a little part of it will be lost because it will not be that that yeah that old school stadium. But yeah, the, the, the redevelopment they're going to make in that stadium looks pretty interesting as well. And it doesn't look as though it's going to be a full knock down and start again job they're just going to be making some changes to sort of modernize it a little bit put some seats in possibly and 
a kind of pavilion too where they maybe use it as like a hospitality suite or something. I'm not 100% sure. It looked all right, but... Um, See, well, I, I do hope that they don't lose a, a, a lot of it. They can they can upgrade the toilets and, as they bring them to the 21st century. <laughs> that's that's fine with me, but but it is, it's, a, it's a good day out and, and I'm not just doubly sort of positive about it purely because now where where i live now in north ayrshire it's the closest game to me by quite a considerable distance so that's not another reason why i'm very positive about it but it's just it's just one of those parks i've always loved going to yeah um just before we move on actually i wanted to touch on you mentioned the signing of frankie masonda that was a really surprising one because when it was announced that he was leaving Wraith, their fans were a bit disappointed. He was one of their better defenders last season, as far as I'm aware. And the expectation was that he would either be going down south or possibly actually making the step up to a different club in Scotland, maybe at a higher level or maybe a, a club that was, you know, with bigger ambitions in the championship than Wraith. To see him make a, a kind of sideways move, arguably a step down, I don't know, depends on who you ask, to, to air, was a little bit unexpected. But um, I'm sure he'll do a good job for them. I think Wraith will be, the Wraith fans will be even more disappointed because Masonda actually uh, earned his first uh, caps for Zambia uh, this year as well. So he's clearly a player. He's only 24 years old, so he's obviously he is still relatively young, especially for, a, as, as the old sort of cliche goes, he's pretty young for a, a defender, even at 24. But he's clearly a player that he's, he's getting called up to his national team Um and he's yeah, he's he's obviously looking to improve and, and to keep getting better. He's gonna be playing in the African Cup of Nations qualifiers if he keeps getting called up throughout this year. They're gonna yeah, they're gonna be very gutted to lose a player of that calibre. Yeah, definitely. Well, there we go, that is Air United. Um Callum, tell us then we're moving into the top half of the league now. There's still one very noticeable team and very, <laughs> you know, very important and very interesting and and amazing team that has yet to be mentioned here Where, who, who do we think is going to be finishing fifth not that team not that team we're even more we're even more optimistic than that um, okay <laughs> would, you, would you believe um, so fifth is our growth the, the team that we're uh, challenging um, obviously Scotland, came remarkably Scotland's close darlings. Scotland's darlings um, yes so our growth I <laughs> Have put our both sixth. Um, David, you had them as third, and Enzo, you had them as fifth. So you can maybe it's through jealousy, maybe it's foreboding. I don't know, but we're we're aside from from David, Enzo, and I are predicting a wee bit of a, a downfall from their their heights of last season. Um, but yes, Enzo, I think you're going to chat us through this one. Well, I think there's going to be a downfall, let's be honest. I'm not saying that they can't possibly compete in the Championship again, but they finished two points off the top of the table as a part-time club last season. They were, you know, that's how close they were to achieving promotion into the Premiership. And that was, it was exciting. Anyone who follows Scottish football to any real extent was probably keeping an eye on their results every week to see what was going on. And I think they became probably half the country's second team last season. Not me, to be honest with you. I'm a little bit petty and spiteful and I didn't want to see them go up. <laughs> but I think, um, yeah, I, I just... They're a difficult one to place for me because I don't know how sustainable this mad run is for a part-time club. I know that they do have a fair bit of financial backing. As far as I'm aware, Dick Campbell, the manager, puts some of his own money into the club as well. But it's going to be an interesting one. So so like I said, they finished second last season, just a couple of points behind Kilmarnock, very nearly ended up getting promotion. Um, they were beaten by uh, Inverness, 
in the semi-final of the playoffs, unfortunately for them. But this season, they've, they've carried on in good form. They won their League Cup group. They beat St Mirren 1-0 away, and they put three past all the other teams. They had maximum points. A very, very solid start to the season. So maybe maybe they are just going to carry on where they left off. They kept a lot of their, their most important players. You look at the likes of Nicky Lowe, Ricky Little, Michael McKenna, who was the top scorer in the league last season with 15 goals as a midfielder. That is pretty rare. That's that's hard to come by. And uh, yeah, it's funny because the part-time angle is a double-edged sword because yes, you're missing out on a, a, a large pool of full-time players who want that to be their job and aren't interested in dropping to part-time. But then it opens you up to guys who, like we talked about earlier on with Rory McAllister, it opens you up to guys who don't want to go full-time because they have other priorities in life. And, and it's, it's, it's all about, you know, it's, it's a bit of a balance. And it's, it's interesting to see the sort of players that they can bring in because they haven't brought many in so far. The only one that really stands out as is potentially quite interesting is, is a young 20-year-old guy called Kieran Shanks. He is he signed from uh, Inverurie Locos in the Highland League, signed a three-year deal, and he scored 30 goals in 44 games for them. As far as I'm aware, he's based up in the northeast somewhere, which is probably why he chose Arbroath over some of the other clubs that were apparently interested in him. But it'll be interesting to see how he gets on, possibly similar to, to Williamson to an extent, where he's a young guy coming from a lower level, albeit the Highland League is probably a slightly higher standard than the the division that Williamson was playing in last season. But I would imagine now they'll quite likely tap into the loan market, pushing towards, you know, that we've now got, what, four, four and a half weeks left of the, the transfer window. I think they'll probably tap into the loan market for to fill the gaps that the, the, the squad uh, has. But to be honest with you, there aren't that many gaps. So, yeah, for me, they're the most volatile in terms of where they could potentially end this season. And... Uh, it's interesting to see how they do. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll be honest. Unlike yourself, Enzo, I did keep an eye on Arbroath's results, and I thought it would be, I thought it'd be great to see them in the Premier League. Just again, maybe I'm, I'm going back to these old school kind of stadiums again. I love going to Gayfield and uh, the away days that are there. I know, I know. Don't be sensible and tell me that the, the ground probably wouldn't pass the the Premier League rules and all that. And they'd have to ground share somewhere born like Aberdeen or something. No, that's like that. not true. As far as I'm aware, the only rules now for uh, Premier for Premiership um, to pass the, the, the standard and be able to use it in the Premiership are to have 100 seats for like executives and media and stuff like that. Oh. And other than, you know, the, the basic necessity is that you need to be in the SPFL in the first place. So... Right. As far as I'm aware, they would have been more than yeah. They, they would have been able to play at Gayfield next season. And to be honest with you, right, I said I said I was petty. I said I was spiteful. It would have been exciting to see a part-time team in the Premier League. Let's be honest, and it would have been really exciting to see what they did with that. Personally, I think if they'd gone up, they would have just stayed part-time and accepted that they could yeah they could have maybe transitioned to full-time. But to what end? Because they'll probably still get relegated anyway. So is it is it worth the extra expense for probably minimal return? I don't know. And if I were an Arbroath supporter, I probably wouldn't care either. Can you imagine, you know, a part-time club who were in the fourth tier of Scottish football not that long ago? Yeah, I can remember playing against I can remember us playing against them in League Two not yeah. all that long ago. Um so for the fans it would have been an incredible it would have been an incredible experience. And I don't think they would have even cared what happened on the park, to be to be completely honest with you. But yeah, I, I suppose we'll see. We'll see how they get on this year. I think there's a lot to be um, admired around our growth and the way that they've run their club. Like even if you think of someone like Ricky Little, who's obviously with Queens, 
he's been with them forever now, <laughs> or what feels like with forever. And he's went through that journey with them, and he's still starting games. Do you know what I mean? Um, it's kind of it's kind of what I would like to see at Queens to an extent, being able to get a bit of continuity. They've, they've obviously they've had Campbell there for quite a long time. I think it was twenty sixteen, possibly. Um, that that he joined Arbroath. He must be one of the longest serving managers. Um, in in Scotland, and yeah, yeah, it's been a while. Aye, and they've built up a proper, proper good community feel around the club. They they sold an absolute shed load of season tickets, and granted, right, success breeds that. But um, they they've really managed to sort of galvanise the the local area, and that that's a lot of the stuff that I think we're all desperate to see Queens do over the next few years. Start to build those sort of guys that are ingrained in the club and. And are going to be there for long periods of time that, that sort of bring the fans in and keep people there. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they, how they'll do. But one thing I thought was um, an interesting we note when I was looking on their brooch website, and I went on Ricky Little's um, sort of like player page, and they've got like these wee questionnaires that go through for each of the players, just one of these get to know you type things. It's quite good actually. Um, but under Ricky Little, best manager you've played for, and he noted Gardner Spears. Well, that is interesting. Aye, yeah, I don't, I, I don't think, um, I don't think many people would be um, shouting his name from the from the rafters. But I wonder I, how Dick Campbell feels about that. <laughs> it's a fair point. Aye, maybe he doesn't know what to get too big headed. I think Ricky Little's been there for about as long as Dick Campbell. So if he's been working with the guy for for ten years, you'd like to think that. Twenty thirteen. Never, uh, yeah, never mind asking the questions you say about with Gardner Spears and things, but yeah, that's. That's certainly an interesting one, but there we go. Well, I mean, I had, I say, I, I ranked Arbroath as third place because, given you know how what they did last year, and I just maybe part of me would like to see it again, but a part of me again just thinks that they will do it again. They'll maybe not necessarily challenge at the very top of the league this year, but I do just think that, as you say, Calm, that they've they've developed the club quite well. Or certainly, as it looks like from the outside, it looked like they developed the club quite well on and off the park. And when you have got that sort of feel-good factor behind a club, you'll sometimes think that that does, that does just spur them on a little bit more, and that will gain them. A, that alone could gain them a couple extra points just with the way that the, the crowd react. And, and we all know what gay feels like when you go up there, especially between like October and and, and February. It can be an absolute water when you're up there, and those guys know what they're doing. You know, a little bit chilly, a little bit breezy, um, and they 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 always know how to deal with it and how to use it to their advantage. And that, again, that's that is a massive advantage to them. It would have been great to see that in the Premier League. I'd have loved to have seen that in the Premier League, but um, yeah, see who who knows what will come from them there. I think I'm just being a little bit cynical, to be honest with you. I'm not entirely convinced that this fairy tale if you want to I know that's what it was defined as quite a lot last season I'm not entirely convinced that it's gonna it can last much longer I mean they're already punching above the weight by being in the in the championship in the first place like like we are or we would have been under normal circumstances but obviously our circumstances aren't normal anymore um but yeah they're already punching a bit above their weight and I know that being part-time like I'm like I mentioned doesn't necessarily it doesn't limit you as much as what some people think it does when, when you consider you're, you're taking the cream of the crop of the part you know the best part-time players in Scotland and you can you can you can bring them in but um I just I, I don't know how long this this run can last for them well we'll move on to talk about the next so we're, so we're into the top four teams and I'm just going to come out and say it, we've yet to rank Queen's Park Cal uh, 
Are we saying that Queen's Park are finishing higher than fourth place in the league this year? Absolutely not. No, no. We, we, there's, there's some semblance of realism left um, between the three of us. So we, we, we have Queen's at fourth. Um, so I put them as fourth. David put them as fifth. Enzo put them as fourth. So okay. obviously we've chatted a lot about Queen's and ironically for a Queen's podcast. Um, this is going to be one of the ones that we talk about a wee bit less. So what I'm interested from you guys is rather than us go through all the players and the signings because we've, we've done plenty of that so far, what are your sort of top one or two reasons why you think Queen's will finish where they are, this uh, where you've put them this season? Yeah, well, I'll go first then. I put us fifth purely because when I look at the teams that I've ranked below, so my my ranking of, of the league, so if anybody's betting on this at all, you know to ignore me. So I have Morton, Cove, Hamilton as 10th, 9th, 8th. Even after watching the game against Hamilton and obviously what we've seen and what we've talked about with Cove and Morton, I just think that we will be well clear of them with our squad, with our manager, with our um, attacking football, that when we are on our game, we we look like we're clear of them. Yes, we yes, we were 1-0 down to Hamilton for 75 minutes, but that last 50 minutes when we actually finally started playing football and stopped messing about with it, we were streets ahead of them and should have should have taken a couple of the other chances that came about. Uh, I don't even think we actually mentioned Tommy Robson's effort right at the, right at the death of that game, about the 89th minute, that he hit straight at the keeper. He was played in brilliantly. Uh, you know... We were clear of them. Then when I look at Wraith and Air, I just look at them and I go, I think we are probably, I think there's maybe three groups personally in this league. It's Morton, Cove and Hamilton. I then think it'll be Wraith, Air and Queen's Park battling out for that mid-table slot. And then it's going to be Arbroath, Inverness, Dundee and Partick Thistle that will probably be challenging for the top four. That's my opinion. So therefore, when I look at us as being in that second group of three, I want us to win that little mini group, so I put us fifth. Yeah, that's that's fair enough. Uh, for me, I haven't really analysed it quite so much as that, to be honest with you. Uh, the reason why I put us in fourth place is because I honestly haven't got a clue how our season's going to go. I don't know. I think I think we're actually the most difficult team in this division to predict because I don't think anyone has any real understanding of how we match up to the rest of these teams. And I know we played we played Dundee and we played Hamilton, but I've said it I've said it before and I think we all agree it's difficult. The League Cup isn't always an accurate an accurate reflection of how a team is going to go on and do in the league. For example, Dunfermline won the League Cup group last season. Look look how that turned out for them. It, it doesn't always mean anything. I just I, I don't I've put us in fourth place purely based on my own cautious optimism. And I don't think it's unachievable. I don't. I think there's a lot of mediocre teams in this division. When you look at the, the the players that some of the other clubs are signing, I'm looking at it and going, "Would I take that guy?" And more often than not, the answer is actually no. I don't think he's going to improve our squad. I'm not talking about the top end guys that you know the the really good signings that the likes of Dundee and Thistle and stuff have made. But I'm talking about the rest of the clubs, and um, I just think we go on a good run. We get the likes of Murray and Williamson firing on all cylinders. McPake fits in well. Thomas does what he's meant to. The, the guys in the middle of the park can keep doing the job that we've seen them we've seen them do so far. And the defence can become a little bit more solid. 
can improve a little bit on what we've seen so far because we have let in a few soft goals. I, for me, the, the promotion playoffs are achievable. Yeah, I, I I would agree with you, and it sort of falls a similar vein. I thought is what what I had. I think this is a very a very achievable championship league this year. Um, see when you look at even the teams that were in League One, I'm not necessarily sure I'd be <laughs> I'd be any more confident if I was in League One this season versus the championship. I think that, that there is a lot of parity between um, the the sort of middle to lower half of of the championship this season. My main thought of thinking is is twofold. One, I think the impact of Coyle, the whole structure of the club changing, the the philosophy, there's a clear direction of travel and players are going to have more time to bed into that. We've seen the the sort of the shoots of that starting to come out a wee bit. I think over, over the course of the season, that's going to get more and more. Players are going to get more ingrained with it. It's the club throughout all the different, like the, the young Queen's Park, etc., all the guys are going to start to um, follow the the same path, and I think that will will sort of bear fruits. The other element is I just we we have a bit of money, um, and I kind of feel like see when it gets to January, we'll be one of the teams which might have the capacity to make significant changes to our playing squad at that point in time. Um, I think a lot of the other teams might not, um, depending on where they are, and in terms of the teams that are sort of in and around us. So I think there will be opportunity there should we need to or want to if if players um sort of become available. So that's that's my kind of thinking behind it. And I'd just like us to get into the playoffs because it was pretty fun <laughs> last year, eh? Yeah, I mean I, I, I do agree with you you both as well. I do think there is every chance that we you know, we could definitely sneak there, but maybe I was just being a wee bit too um cautious and, and saying fifth. But I do believe that the the, the top four is um as I ranked them, I did rank Arbroath ahead of us. I do think that they will maybe have a little bit more than us. Maybe, again, it's just the experience of being in the league as well. Um, but, yeah, there we go. <laughs> if we finish fourth, I certainly will not be complaining. I'll be I'll be thanking the two of you for having the, the foresight to see that. But, uh, yeah, um, well, I think we'll take that. I would, yeah. Even just thinking about it right now, that actually has thrown me off my train of thought. I'd, 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 I know, it would be absolutely yeah. wild. Right. Listen, I mean, listen, I mean our, our last experience of the playoffs was that good. If we were to go into the playoffs again and, and do anything at all, I'd, I don't know how I'd take it. So, yeah, the, the thought of that load is... Aye. The only difference is, if you if you finish fourth in the championship, you've actually potentially got three rounds of playoffs. So, so you, right. yeah... Yeah, your, your liver won't thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if I'd make it through the first two rounds, but yeah, um, yeah, there we go. So Queens Park fourth place into the promotion playoffs at the end of the season. Callum, who is beating us in the league? Who's who's finishing third? So third place we have Inverness. So Skybet have Inverness second. We've popped them in third. So I had them as third. David, you had them as fourth. Enzo, you had them as third. Uh, and I believe, David, you're going to quickly chat us through Inverness. Yeah, so obviously our, our opponents this Saturday coming. Um, we, we obviously see how we get on there and see if we can give a good account of ourselves there. They did finish third last season in the championship. Uh, they went into the, the playoffs. They did beat our both 1-0 over two legs in the semi-finals, but they were then quite comprehensively beaten by St. Johnson in the final. They lost 6-2 on aggregate. Um, the last time, certainly that I could find online, and therefore I think it must be the only time that we played Inverness, was back back in the League Cup back in 2010. I think it was well before the, the group stage was 
was involved at that point, but it was a it was a three 0 victory for for Inverness. It was a pretty comprehensive game. I do remember. Well, I recall being there. I don't remember it, but I do recall being at that game. Uh, it was it was not particularly brilliant for us there. But yeah, so last season, to say they finished third in the league, uh, that was under Billy Dodds. The former Scotland striker, who a number of clubs that he's played for had a you know a pretty uh, successful playing career, plenty of Scotland caps and goals as well. He joined as a, an assistant during the the twenty twenty one season uh, with is it Stephen Robertson or was it Stuart Robertson? I, I don't recall. I've not got that noted down here. But then he became he became the the sole manager for last season while uh, Robertson went into a, a a position upstairs with director of football or something like that uh, in the League Cup this season. Uh, they did pretty well. They made it through into the, the round of 16. They got three wins and a draw. They beat Kelty, uh, Livingston and Albion Rovers. They did draw with Cove. So despite the fact they beat Livy in the league above, they then only got a, a one-all draw with Cove. But it was enough for them to get into the last 16. The transfers that they've made so far, uh, like Enzo mentioned with Ayr, I would say probably actually I know less about Inverness than I know about Air purely because it's been even longer since we've ever seen them. We've ever been you know, anywhere near them in the leagues. We've never came across them in the Cups. Uh, it, it's very difficult for me to really talk about their squad and, and the players that left. I mean, there was the notable departure from Inver- Inverness this off-season was Kirk Broadfoot that went to open goal Broomhill in the Lowland League, wherever, wherever they are, um, you know, he scored last night. He did. He did score a header, didn't he? I think it was. I, I think I read that he, did, he scored. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he's he's playing with open goal with um, yeah with those guys. Good luck to them. Uh, it's not something I, I partake in, but there you go. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, I, and they let a few other players have left. Not I, personally. Again, don't really know much about them. I couldn't really say too much uh, in terms of players coming in. Again, the players that they've signed in. Not overly familiar with them, but two of them that stood out just purely looking looking at their playing history. They've re-signed uh, a young winger, Dan Mackay, from Hibs, who was with them on loan last season. Uh, scored a couple of good goals for them. Uh, he, they seem to be a bit of a, a fan favourite, so he's came back in. And they've also brought in George Oakley, who this is his second spell with Inverness. He left Inverness and then he's had a couple of teams down south. Uh, he's a forward, but he doesn't look like the most prolific forward. So no idea how he plays or anything like that. But when you look at the headline stats, he maybe doesn't look like he's going to score a, a, an awful lot of goals. So their uh, transfer window doesn't seem to be particularly special. But at the same time, it doesn't look like they've lost anybody of any significant quality. Yet to be seen who they bring in. Uh Therefore, like I'm ranking Inverness quite highly, and obviously overall we think they're going to finish third because they had a very strong season last season. They still get to kept the same manager, had a good year last year. I I don't see much change in there, to be perfectly honest with you. Yeah, and and Inverness have that sort of thing that we we noticed when we seen Dundee as well. They've just got a few really really good players. So Billy Mackay has been with them for ages and lots of different spells um he's just one of these guys which is just of a of a certain caliber um that i think he'll show up a lot of teams in this league um i know he did so last season and obviously they've kept him so i think he'll be a massive player for him and he's a sort of guy that any club in this league would be would be delighted to have yeah i mean i i think that they've got a good squad 
they they ended last season fairly strongly. Obviously, they lost the the playoff final against St Johnston. But to be honest with you, that you know the the playoffs between the Championship club and the Premier League, the, the Premiership club, are always difficult. That doesn't I, I think there's a there's a reasonable gulf between the two divisions. And um, for me, I, I don't think there's too much to say about Inverness. To be honest with you, I'm just expecting more of the same. Yeah, that's exactly what I was to say. Why I've I've looking at them finishing the top three, and uh, yeah, we'll obviously have a much better idea of of where we stand against them uh, after after Saturday, when obviously we do open our league campaign against them away at the Caledonian Stadium. I've already done two stadium digs. Incredibly, the three team the three teams that I got selected with here, I can get a third little stadium dig in here. So I'm going to do it. When when uh, Inverness were promoted to the, the SPL back in the 0405 season, at the time the ground was only a, it was about I think it was just under two and a half thousand seater stadium, and at the time they had to have at least six thousand seats. So uh, the building company Tulloch, who the chairman was, was also the director of this company, built the two stands behind the goals. And that brought the seating up to a total of, uh, well, actually, those two stands was about 5,000 seats in total. Those two stands were built in less than 50 days. 50 days? 50 days to get get 5,000 seats that allowed them to then get back. So I think they only had to play the first maybe three or four uh, games away. I think they were playing in Aberdeen. They only had to play the first or month or so away from Inverness. And because they got that done so quickly... Not only did they name the stadium, but they, they put the, the advertising on the stadium as, a, as a, th- a part of the thank you to them. Obviously, the chairman also owned the company, so there's definitely a lot about that there as well. But the reading goes that it was as a thank you to them for saying for, for building that so quickly and for getting them back to Inverness and being able to play at their home ground. They've done, yeah, they done that in less than two months. I mean, which... To be fair... To be fair, Inverness, when it comes to ground sharing, their options are really limited. What is what is Inverness to Aberdeen? About 100 miles? It can't be much. It can't be much less than that. So, yeah, I would like to think that if we were being forced to play a hundred miles away from Glasgow right now, then then they'd be able to to get the you know shift the the development of the new stadium up a gear because that is you know that that puts things into perspective a little bit. <laughs> Does it not feel like it though? It doesn't feel like a hundred miles anyway. Oh, <laughs> uh, maybe maybe to some it does, but anyway, that is Inverness. We will. After after we finish here, we've got two more teams to go and we'll just very quickly have a look at what we think about the Inverness game coming up. But yes, we have two teams to go that have yet to be named. We've got Dundee, who came down obviously from the Premiership last year, and we've got Partick Thistle. Callum, who is finishing runners-up in the Championship this year? Unanimous decision on the on the top two. So uh, we all had Partick Thistle as second and we all had Dundee winning the league. Um, so no particularly surprising takes here, I don't think. But um, Enzo, you're going to chat us through Thistle. Yeah, um, there's quite a lot to say about Thistle. Obviously, Ian McCall's the manager there, and he has been for a little while. Started his playing career with with Queens Park back in the 1983, 1984, run about then, and a bit before my time. But was apparently quite a good player for us. So they finished fourth last season in the league. And they lost the playoff quarterfinal to Inverness, who, who we just talked about there. Uh, I remember watching that game on TV, and they were actually rubbish. They, 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 they weren't anywhere near Inverness, who were by far the better side across across the tie. But 
I don't know. I, I, I don't. I don't know if maybe it was just the fatigue getting to that stage of the season, and, and obviously they they blamed a lot of their woes on having had to share the pitch with us. Now, personally, I actually think that Thistle themselves as a club didn't get anywhere near enough grief for the state of that pitch. It's easy, you know, that having a second team playing on it is an easy scapegoat, but there were already signs of damage on that pitch even as early as September, and and that shouldn't be the case even with two clubs playing there. So yeah. It, Simple enough for them to blame us, but I don't think it's quite as straightforward as that. I think there was issues with the pitch. Regardless, um, they won the League Cup group. So they, they, they won three matches and they drew with Kelly down at Rugby Park and they got the bonus point in the shootout there. So started fairly well in, in you know, what is obviously a, a set of competitive fixtures. Um, so last season, Brian Graham was the third top goal scorer in the league. But I think looking at their results and looking at, you know, they finished fourth, but they only had a plus four goal difference. So they were winning games, but they were winning really tight games a lot of the time, which to be fair, is, is a difficult thing to do. Sometimes, you know, we ourselves last season struggled to win a lot of tight games that we probably should have done. But probably, I, th- I think it's fair to suggest that Thistle and, and McCall were looking for a bit more firepower up front, which they have managed to do because they managed to sign... Um, do you remember Anton Dowds, who was part of our both the first half of last season in the championship? Did fairly yep. well for them. Recalled by Falkirk because he was actually on loan from League One Falkirk to Championship or both at the time. Recalled by Falkirk in January, where apparently he then went in a bit of a huff because he wasn't too pleased about it, which you can understand, but at the end of the day he was a Falkirk player and that was all conditions of his loan to our both. It's a bit of a strange dynamic when you think about it, loaning someone to a division above you, but Anyway, uh, so they've brought him in and they've also brought in Tony Weston on loan from Rangers. They, they've had quite a few players on loan from Rangers over the past few seasons. They, they had that uh, Colombian boy Juan Alegria last season as well who was apparently absolutely terrible for them. He's now signed for Falkirk as well. Second time in, in just a minute that I've mentioned them. But Tony Weston has done, he's looked really good for Rangers B down in the Lowland League and, and even played against us I think in the Glasgow Cup actually last season. Looks 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 decent and yeah, I think Thistle are going to score a lot of goals this season. I don't know quite how they'll be at the back. I'm not totally sure. Now, David, you mentioned earlier on when you were talking about Cove that they signed uh, they signed Harry Milne from Cove, the left back. Yes. The only trouble is they don't have any other cover in that position if Milne fails to if if Milne struggles to adjust to the championship. They're left a little bit lacking down that side. From what I can see, they, they maybe have a, a young guy as a backup. Now, maybe maybe he's great, but it doesn't look as though he's got much experience. Um, but Milne is, is definitely another one to watch. So, yeah, for me, this will have improved in the areas that needed improving in, in the transfer window. They've signed a lot of players, um, and I think they will finish runners-up. And uh, I think we all agree that that's, that's where they're likely to, to end the season. Yeah, and as well, I mean, you mentioned Tony Weston. I know that they brought another boy in on loan from Rangers. As you mentioned, they've had a number of players on loan from Rangers in recent years. But the, the, although Tony Weston played well for Rangers B, it was Cole McKinnon, who's a midfielder, who I believe was actually voted like the Rangers B player of the year in the Lowland League. So he maybe had an even better season. And he's now also on loan. And I think 
I don't recall which of their League Cup group games it was, but it must have been maybe the last one that just happened most recently. But I think, again, he got man of the match that game and that was his first game for the club. So he is potentially one to, to watch out for. Uh, I also know his name because he was one to watch out for in my football manager 20, 2021 uh, Queen's Park save. Uh, he did very well for me as well. But but uh, that all goes out the window when we come up to play against Queen's uh, Partick Thistle. Don't worry about it. The real question on Partick Thistle is what do we think of that Kingsley kit that they um, they brought out? I'm, I'm, I, I have to admit, I'm kind of sad that we're not competing with it this year. I know that there's the club said that we'll be putting out a special edition top later in the year or whatever it is, um, but it's, uh, it. it's, it's I, quite a looker, isn't it? I am, I am all for it. Like I love the the historic shirt from a couple of years ago, the Admiral shirt with obviously the, the, the polka dots with the record for the last 100 and 20 years, whatever it was. Yeah. Um, I am all for wild and wonderful uh, football kits and, and being a little bit different. And just anything that's not just, you know, like they're, you're off the rail templates from some of these big teams and all that kind of nonsense. I, I loved it. See when it was announced, when it was announced, I was off. I was, I was almost gonna buy it because I just whoa, thought, whoa, whoa, I, I love it's it. Not. I know, I know, but that's I can't, I love it. Like I love it so much. Like, I just think it's it's incredible. I mean that Kingsley character is is frightening, but it's it's inc- I I don't know. I just find it so funny as well. But it's not actually the home kit, is it? It's like a no. It's, it's like, it's like special. It's yeah, as Cal mentions, we've announced a, a, I believe it's going to be a Christmas special edition, or is it to look is out it like for it around kit? Christmas? Yeah, uh, it's, like, it's like a third kit, so it's a special edition kit for them for this season. Um, I will say that I don't know what the hell's going on with the shorts. It's, they, they look they really are bad. Tragic. But, they're, they're but, the, but the top is brilliant. I, I, or they should, they should use it throughout the season. And it's all, it's the only time I'm going to praise Partick Thistle because I've got a, a couple of friends that are very big Partick Thistle fans, and if they hear me saying any more. I'm never going to hear the end of it, so I'm going to stop now. But <laughs> that kit, big fan, big thumbs up. If anybody at Queen's Park's listening, wild and wonderful kits, just the the craziest stuff. Yes, thumbs up. Aye, because surely commercially it's a good thing as well, because you're going to get people like yourself, David, who are even thinking about buying a football top by a team that they don't support. So, no, it's it's interesting. Did um, you mentioned the 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 how bad the pitch was last season. Did Thistle relay their pitch? Yeah, it's been relayed. So it's, it's been relayed over the summer. Uh, and it's... Yeah, I mean, I, I think there were some issues. So they, they apparently got some kind of specialist in to advise them on, on what could be done. Now, this was actually maybe about three quarters of the way through last season. And I suppose their advice was probably get rid of it and start again. But I think there were some, I think there were some issues with drainage on one side of the pitch. The, the side of the pitch uh, at the Jackie Husband stand and that partially led to some of the issues that we saw last season. I, I, I'm not, you know, fully up on the the specific detail, but yeah, they they've put a new pitch in. It's not anything fancy. It's not like one of these hybrid pitches that, that we're putting into Lesser Hamden. It just looks like a bog standard grass pitch. But it's nice for now. We'll see how it we'll see how it holds up as the season progresses and as the weather gets worse when we move into December, January, February, and um, yeah. It, I mean, remember that as well, it wasn't as if we showed up at Furhill and didn't give them anything for that. They, they, they got a decent amount of money from Queen's Park to use Furhill. Um, it seemed like, and certainly the rumour last year was that they went and used that money to sign Scott Tiffany, who was one of their best players last season. Uh, yeah, as you said before, Enzo, they didn't get nearly enough grief about the state of the park. It should have been used perhaps to prepare for that. 
you know, the use of two teams on Firhill. We've seen it before, years gone by, when it's the ground shared. Uh, obviously, it was the, the Glasgow rugby team that was there, but, you know, there's been multiple games played on Firhill many, many years, I'm sure. But, yeah, the state that it got into last year was, was wild, and if they want to blame that for them, them falling away in the championship race, if you ask me, they've only got themselves to blame on that. Well, part of the issue was also the fact that the, so many games got postponed that they had a bit of a backlog and maybe maybe they struggled with so many games in a short period of time. But yeah, just sounds like an excuse to me. Yeah, definitely. Well, we'll move on to the final team that we've actually already seen this season uh, is Dundee. So it is, is it Callum to round us off there? It is. It is, yes. So Dundee, obviously we've played them recently. Um, we've all got them as first uh, first place this season we are matching the bookies on this one so Dundee had them uh, so sorry Skybet had Dundee at 74 so very much favourites um, ahead of Inverness who they had at 72 I don't think that's particularly surprising so D- Dundee finished last in the SPL last season um, six wins highest goals against in the in the league as you would expect for a team that gets relegated um, but they've they've made some changes, so I think we were all a bit bemused, including the Dundee support, when we seen that uh, Mark McGee got announced to try and um, save their season. So it wasn't a particularly unsurprising demise for them at the, at the tail end of it. They've subsequently got rid of him and brought in Gary Boyer, so formerly of um, Salford City. So I think that's the... Gig schools, Nevels, that that mobs um, play yeah. club. The so class of ninety two, class of ninety two. I yeah. Um, so he was managing them for a while before came across to to Dundee. So yeah, I mean, Brenna, are you surprised that Mark McGee was a, an abject failure last season? I, I wasn't. Did he not have? Was it ten games in the league, and he was suspended for six of them, or something like that? Was it not? I mean, it's yeah, just, he was still he was still it? serving the suspension from his last spell in management when he, you know, there's the there's the famous video where he was uh, shouting at Motherwell fans when they were up at I think it was Pataudry, and uh, I, I think it's incredible that a team, you know, at that stage of the season with so much to fight for because they'd actually. It's funny because when when they when they sacked McPake, they'd started to show some glimmer of improvement. You know, they beat Hearts in the cup. I think it was Hearts, who obviously had a very good season, and they'd started to show a little bit of improvement. And you would have thought if McPake was going to get sacked, actually, it should probably have been a few a few weeks prior to when he actually finally was. But regardless of when you do it, McGee is not the guy you bring in to replace him. <laughs> it's just it was it was a wild decision and. They paid for it. Whether they were going to down anyway or not, and he was maybe a cheap option, I have no idea. Maybe they just kind of resigned themselves to the fact that they, they had no hope. But, yeah, just uh, a pretty incredible decision. Yeah, yeah. And um, the, the the new manager that they've got in has some tenuous links to, to Coyle. So he managed Blackburn back in 2015. And then after he left, I believe Paul Lambert had a very short stint at Blackburn before being replaced by Owen Coyle, um, who had a partic- not not a very good time there, I believe, um, from what I was reading earlier today. Um, but no, I think on the on the player front for for Dundee um, last season, notable players that left Charlie Adam. He was obviously there for a wee while. I don't think he's actually retired. I think he just said that he was he was moving on. Um, so there's every chance that we see him crop up somewhere. I don't know where he would be at in the sort of Scottish football pyramid at this point. Um, 
He had but, some crazy highlights last year, didn't he? Because he had some absolute wonder goals, and then he had that one. I don't recall who the opponent was, but did he not basically square it for the striker in the six-yard box? Uh, yeah. he, he was he was all over the place at times. Aye, I mean he's got lots of quality, and you've seen that throughout his career. Um, but yeah, he's getting on a bit now. I think he's what thirty-six or something like that. Would you have someone like that at Queens at that age? In the, in the previous iteration of Queens Park, yes. Now where we've got money and a manager and a, a forward-thinking plan, I, I mean, I'd, I'd love to, but no, he, he doesn't have a place for in, in this Queens Park team. Well, if you're asking me, would I take someone who's played at the level that Adam has in the past, but not necessarily Charlie Adam? You know, maybe I, maybe yeah. I, I sent, maybe I know. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> let, let me clarify. So, do I want a midfielder like Charlie Adam coming in at this age? No, because it's not the kind of player that we need at the minute. I don't think. I think we filled that that role pretty pretty well. Would I bring in an experienced centre half, possibly a goalkeeper, centre forward, who's played at that level in the past? Just to add a little bit of experience, you know, the experience can be good for young guys to learn from, and, and if they can still do a job, then fair enough. I think I would, yeah. Uh, it's an interesting one. Um, in terms of new players that have came in, not that much. Um, Tyler French from Wrexham, don't know anything about him, 23 centre-back. They paid a bit of money for him, one of these undisclosed fees. Um, he, played, he played quite well against us, to be fair, in the, in the League Cup game, I thought. He was the yeah. number four, I'm sure. I thought, I thought he had a good game. Yeah, um, I'd actually noted that. I thought both the centre-backs when we played Dundee were, were really, really good. Um, so it looks like he, he'll he probably be decent for them. They also signed Zach Rudden from Partick Thistle. So striker brought up in the Rangers set-up. He was in loan to Dundee last, at the sort of tail end of last season, but that was via a pre-contract. So he'd kind of already signed. Now he's formally with them. And they've got um, Ben Williamson on loan from Rangers. I mean, I think there's a bit of a trend. I mean, I don't know how many teams, including ourselves, that we've mentioned Rangers loan signings. They've obviously just uh, farmed out all of their uh, non-starters for the season. But in terms of notable players, I think it was pretty clear from the game that we played against them that despite having maybe the worst haircut in Scottish football, uh, Paul McGowan, been with Dundee since 2014, I just thought he looked absolutely miles ahead of everybody in the pitch, even at 34 years old. I know he was in the Celtic team blooming way back uh, for a couple of appearances, 2008 or something like that, before being on loan at St Mirren and then then Dundee. But him and Niall McGinn, another guy 35 years old, he looked excellent in midfield. He did actually play for Celtic, I think, nearly 30 times between 2009 and 12. Two guys who just oozed quality and they came off at half time and I think had they stayed on could have rinsed us for a couple of couple of more goals. Yeah, they, they definitely took their foot off the gas when they were they were two 0 up and yeah they took McGinn McGowan off. We mentioned it before where we definitely improved our performance in the second half, but at the same time they fell away in the second half and that was definitely due to making those substitutes. When we come up against them in the league, that's not going to happen. We're going to have to deal with those two guys for 90 minutes. And based on the first 45 minutes in, in the cup games, that's going to be a really big challenge for us. Well, I mean, obviously Coyle made some adjustments in the second half of that game against against Dundee. And those adjustments don't necessarily only have an impact on, 
on the rest of the game. But the, the adjustments carry over for future matches against the same teams. You learn their system, you learn how they're likely to set up, and and you can you can jig things about to to you know to to make the the change the changes that are necessary to to then compete better with these teams. Um, I agree with you, Callum, that those two players coming off at halftime probably allowed us. To, you know, to, to get into the game, to come back into the game a little bit more, and, and it's not going to happen if we're playing them away at Dens Park, and you know, it's, there's three points on the line. That's not going to happen. But I don't know. I mean, it's, it's much the same squad that they finished last season with, barring a couple of additions on loan, and 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 there's obviously a lot of faith in in their own academy because, as far as I'm aware, a large part of that squad was actually developed at Dundee as well. For me, just I just think they have too much quality, to be honest with you, and, and I'll be quite surprised if they don't win the league. But it's also worth noting that Dundee aren't exactly, you know, they're not renowned for their stability and predictably, you know, they, they have been a pretty unpredictable squad and club over the years, and you never know what's going to happen there, so I suppose we'll see. Yeah, we certainly will, but based on, you know, everything that's happened so far in the summer and, and where the squads line up, we think that they will uh, be winning the championship this year. So there we go. That is our championship lineup or championship standings for the 22-23 season. Let's just run through them uh, again. So we have 10th place Morton, 9th place Cove, 8th place Hamilton, 7th place Wraith, 6th place, Air United. 5th is our broth. We think Queen's Park are going to sneak into that first promotion playoff. Followed by Inverness, Partick Thistle and Dundee finishing as the champions. So, one spicy take from each of us. Enzo, we have already heard from you on yours. You think that Wraith, for having finished 5th last season and only narrowly missed out in the promotion playoffs, you think they're going to be fighting against relegation, potentially if it's not straight down, you think they're going to be in the relegation playoffs this season I think they will finish ninth, and I think they'll get relegated through the playoffs because there's a lot of strong squads in League 1 right now, it's going to be incredibly competitive and I think they will be raring to go when it comes to any kind of playoff against a team that will be coming off the back of a fairly negative season so yeah, my, my spicy take, if that's how you want to describe it, is that Wraith Rovers will get relegated through the playoffs. Okay then, my spicy take is going to be that you're going to see two teams getting promoted from the Championship into the Premiership this year. Obviously, first place going straight up, and I think whichever team finishes in the playoffs, whether, well, going by our predictions, we think it's either going to be ourselves, Inverness or Partick Thistle, I think that they will win that promotion playoff, and as I say, we'll see two new teams in the Premiership next year. I think that when you look at St Johnson, who, yes, okay, they did win 6-2 on aggregate um, against Inverness last season, but I think they're looking even worse this year. I think you've got a couple of teams that look like they're potentially struggling, like St Mirren, Ross County, fair play to them, have actually, they had a good season last year. They've always been, you maybe thought, very close to dropping away, but it looks like they've made some good signs. I don't think they're going to be involved, but I think you could see somebody like Livingston slipping down so yeah my spicy take is we're going to see two new teams from the championship into the premiership next year fingers crossed we are one of them i think it's difficult because i do think it's a fair step up from the championship to the premiership but yeah the likes of potentially st Mirren, and johnson a couple of off games and they could easily you know they could easily find themselves losing a playoff final to to a decent championship squad that's that, that's on form callum 
let's take your spicy take because I believe it is actually Queen's Park based. Yeah, so I've went to the uh, top goal scorer charts um, for for my one, and my sort of wild prediction for this season is that, as we mentioned earlier, I am all aboard the Scott Williamson train, and I think he will be Queen's Park's top goal scorer this season. I think he'll be ahead of Murray and whoever else we may sign. Um, and I also think he will be in the top 10 scorers for the division. That is my prediction. You're going to give us a figure? Or is he hitting double, double figures? figures. Double figures. So, bang so, on, so, bang so, on so, double figures. Bang on. Excellent. So there was only actually, so he would be top five then, because there was only five last year? Or do you think this is going to be a wildly high scoring league this year? Was there only five last year? Only five 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 Jeez, man. Five. Right, okay. Yeah, well, I guess top I am... Um, I've undersold him. I've undersold him. Top five goal scorers in the league, oh. Scott Williamson. Here we go. Top five goal scorer in the league, brilliant. There I we hope go. You're right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'll no, take no, that no pressure. No pressure. <laughs> None at all. We've gone from talking about oh, he needs time to adapt to top five goal scorer in the league. Whole episode it. It yep. One episode. Uh, absolutely love that. Right. We have obviously spoke at length about every single team in the championship here. We are going to very, very quickly run off. We're not going to actually look at the Inverness game in any kind of great detail. We've spoken a lot about the team as we played and as we lined up. And we already mentioned about what we'd like to see maybe next or this week against Inverness. And we've just spoken a little bit in detail about Inverness. I'm going to say simply, Callum, you first. Score prediction for Inverness away this Saturday. I am going to go for 2-0 Queens. I reckon we will win. I'm going to keep saying that we're going to win until we actually win. Um, so yeah, 2-0 Queens and Enzo to be a blithering mess by the end of the day in the bus back. I'm not going to be the only one. It's a long bus. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. Enzo, what is your score prediction? Um, I would be quite happy to get any points on the board here, early doors. And I think... I think we'll draw. I think both teams are going to score. I think it'll either be one each or two each. See, I was going to go with one each as well. I was thinking back to last well, I'll, season. Well, I'll take two each then. You you take two each and then I'll take one each because I'm thinking back to last season and how we performed. And we actually had a good start to last season. We were, you know, the first round of games, the first nine games, uh, we hadn't lost one, but I think it was, was it not three wins and six draws or four wins, five draws, something like that. See if we have another season where we draw half of our games. I'll actually take that this year because we're now up in the championship and it's an, you know it's another step up for us. So therefore, I'll start with a one-all draw. Let's let's get the first one out of the way nice and early. One. I mean, I, I would a... take. I would definitely take us drawing half of our games if we also then go and win a lot of the rest of them. But if we draw half of them and lose and lose the other half, then I think I think we might struggle a little bit. It depends on the rest of the matches. We are not looking that far yet. We will look. <laughs> we will look at the next game next week but yes so yeah there we go that is our championship preview along with yeah everything else we spoke about today uh thank you very much for sticking with us throughout this it is a long one but we've obviously hoped that we've got a little bit of information about each team and it has been worthwhile um yeah callum and enzo thank you very much for joining me thank you thank you you to everybody that has been listening in uh don't forget to like Comment and subscribe. No, sorry, that's terrible part. We shouldn't be doing that this early in the podcast. But yeah, thank you very much to everybody that is listening. Uh, as always, you can find us at Spiders Talk Pod on Twitter. There is the SpidersTalk.com Queen's Park Fans Forum. And we will also be posting in the Championship Forum on Pie and Bovril in the Queen's Park thread and any other uh, match threads relating to us. 
thank you very much everybody for listening and we will hopefully catch you again next week Bye. thanks for listening